Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. We're going to jump right into start our show today into San Bernardino. San Bernardino County health officials are giving an update on coronavirus and COVID-19. We'll hear more about that later, too. We're not sharing locations, which is one of my biggest um, complaints so far of our positive tests. First of all, just realize there's a lot of it out there. We're going to find a lot more numbers coming around. It's going to hit every one of our cities in an incorporate area throughout the county. So we all need to continue to take our precautions, uh, practicing safe distancing, washing, all the things you've been seeing on TV for the last three, you know, two months. We need to take this seriously as a community, as residents, to do their part to stay home when they can and practice the social distancing, making sure they're washing, making sure we don't, you know, contaminate and spread this uh, virus any more than we already have. There's no shortage of food. We see a lot of runs on our supermarkets. We personally have contacted our supply chains for the county. Um, we're in the warehouse capital of the West Coast here. We have plenty of supplies. It's just our demand has peaked farther than our supply chains. They're catching up. We have the things in our warehouses. We have food, we have toilet paper, all the rest of it. So we don't wanna make sure our um, public does not panic and start hoarding even more and more. Just buy what you need for your family for a while, just like you normally would each time. The board has taken many actions to try to, to do our part to help our community. We know a lot of businesses and families are hurting uh, in many different ways, financially, losing their, their, their livelihood, maybe losing their job. We're working with our locals, our state, and our federal contacts to bring all the resources we can bear to our residents. And we're doing the things that we could take actions here on the county as well to help ease this time during this crisis. We have um, frozen... Um, Foreclosures in the county until April 30th, we addressed before then. We have uh, adopted a resolution to assure residents that lose their utilities. We don't want people homeless or not getting their information or not getting their, their lights or turned on because of this crisis. We're gonna try to keep them in home, safe and segregated. We have um, extended our county permits on dates for expiration for businesses. Basically anything we can do in our control, we wanna be there for our business and our residents throughout San Bernardino County. We are working with our um, biggest healthcare network here, IEHP, it's called Inland Empire Health Plan for a nurse access line with our county's, um, our sister county here in Riverside. That should be operational pretty soon. So people have health questions, we'll have a number to call as well as the JIC that we have below, the Joint Information Center phone number before. I have to say I'm super proud of our first responders. Um, you'll hear from many of the leadership of that today. They're doing a fantastic job from police and fire. From our, We have 24 cities here of their agencies as well as our county teams, our public health, our, our doctors and nurses on the front line. They don't shy away. They are taking this thing head on and they're doing what they need to do as the professionals that they are to make, make sure that our residents are hit as little as possible. We're also working with our we have um, our employee unions of the county. There's a lot of figuring out who goes where. They have all rose to, to challenge as well. As we needed people to move from one area of activity in the county to the other, they have taken that and we're working with them to make sure that you know our lines of communication, all the county services are still open. And I think it's a point in part. 
there, our county services are still need to be happening. We may be shutting off some of the access, like public access to some of our buildings, but those services still remain intact. And a lot of the stuff we're transitioning to is online, on a phone call. And if we need to set up a meeting, we will. But we're trying to do that for the safety of our residents as well as our staff here in the county. But everything is open. We're still trying to do all the regular things that we normally do in the county. Um, it's important that all the residents do their part. Do your part. We're trying to do our part as governments to do what we can to make this crisis go as fast as we can and to limit the effect to everybody. But do your part too. Heed the orders from the state and the governor of staying at home and taking those safe health, health practices. We're going to be doing daily updates and please continue to watch our Samity County website for those updates as well as um, we started a COVID kindness social media campaign. Have you seen that a little bit? There's a lot of great things going on by our residents. Neighbors taking care of neighbors, businesses um, taking care of our residents by opening up special hours for, for certain um, elderly or our, our first responders. We have restaurants passing out food. This is a great time where the strength of San Bernardino County, and we have a local here in San Bernardino County um, that we coined after our December 2nd incident of SB Strong. That is our, our residents. They are very strong. And they're very determined to continue on and um, watch those acts of kindness because they're out there everywhere. And we want to make sure that we highlight those too. And so we want to thank you very much. I know we have a lot of speakers today. And I believe um, our sheriff is coming up next, John McMahon. She listening. is spraying down the podium right now. We're listening to a news conference from San Bernardino County, and they're making once again a show out. I don't know if show is the right word, but they're times. disinfecting the and cleaning the microphone, the podium, uh, in between each speaker. There comes the Lysol spray. Her hair looks great. Make sure we clean those surfaces. So now the sheriff, San Bernardino County. I know we're in challenging and unprecedented times, but want to make sure that everybody knows public safety remains our number one priority. We've made a couple of procedural changes to try to keep our deputy sheriffs as safe as possible. And as you all are aware, we had to report on Monday that one of our deputies tested positive for the virus. I'm happy to report that I spoke to him a couple of times and he is at home recovering and has no more symptoms. Because of the reduced courtroom occupancy at our courthouses that freed up some of our deputy sheriffs that are assigned to the court services division to be out in the community and patrol those retail establishments to help make them as safe as possible. We've changed some of the procedures at our jail facilities. Our dedicated nursing staff is doing everything they can to make sure that they test everybody coming in the back door of the jail to ensure they don't have any symptoms of the virus. If there are any symptoms that they notice, we have isolation protocols in place and or they can be diverted to other facilities should their medical needs be significant. The number of bookings that we've seen coming into our jails over the last couple of days has reduced. Now that reduction could be as a result of folks on the street not being involved in as many crime. That's what I would hope for. However, could also be because the deputy sheriffs and police officers that are dedicated to protecting the folks in our county are busy doing other things. We'll continue to do everything that we possibly can to keep the residents of our county safe and continue to modify our policies and procedures should we need to do so. Thank you. 
You just heard from the uh, sheriff of uh, San Bernardino County saying that one of the deputies... Well, there you go. Uh, San Bernardino County... Report, with their latest update. Reporting its first death associated with coronavirus. The patient who died, 50 years old, did have underlying health conditions. San Bernardino County now has 38 cases. Well, this is the beginning of the Gary and Shannon show for this uh, Wednesday now, March 25th. We have uh, uh, understand that there will be a handful of local news conferences today, not just from San Bernardino County, which we just heard, but also from L.A. County, which we have gotten used to at about 1230. We'll take that, of course. And then also we understand there may be one from Orange County as well. So we'll keep an eye on all of those and bring those to you. We have some uh, national news to get to in terms of the Senate deal on a stimulus package that has re- been, uh, I guess, reflected very positively on Wall Street today. Also, fresh news out of New York. They are doing a lot of testing there and the numbers are reflecting that. We'll tell you what uh, Governor Andrew Ooh. Cuomo had to say this morning. And this whole thing, this whole thing right here, this is one, two, three, four pages of nothing but good news. Oh, my goodness. Four You've been doing today. God's work this morning. Four you did real show prep. Good news. You didn't just do Instagram Live and have people take fireball shots. All right, Who's well, a good boy? You're a dangerous. Crozier, I don't know if you know this about her, but she is, there, there's certain levels of peer pressure. There's there's levels like, uh, I knew a guy oh, who calm wants down. To, it's day she's, 11. She's after school special level peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. Over the top peer pressure. Can I just give a round of applause to Michael Crozier, oh. who... Dr- is dressing like a normal human and not like a homeless like the rest of us. <laughs> Thank you for dressing up. Are you running out of laundry? Is that the problem? It's Wednesday. You're, You're dipping a into the <laughs> testament to this great country of ours. Thank you. I do my part. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> do you think we're going to be like that in 30 years? Forever. <laughs> like they literally hate each other. Everybody just reacts sit there naked and read your uh, books. Take your real if I tell you to sit there naked and read your books, let's just cancel the show. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Uh, those, are, those are end of days. Listen, I will. We will do this. We will. I have four pages of good news, and it's all coronavirus good news. I know that that sounds weird. No, but we did this. Uh, we did this last week as well. There are some lights at the ends of the tunnels perhaps uh and they may not be bright and they may not be gigantic but they are good news things that we can report on we although we will be doing what you watch in wednesday i started that tiger king show yesterday oh. and it it was hard to look away from really? i mean i was just it was like hidden in plain sight but a different story because or we saw whatever the, abducted in plain sight. We saw the trailer for it, my wife and I, when we were going through trying to find yeah, something to watch. I and wasn't I was impressed. interested because I know that, I mean, I remember doing the story of this crazy too, guy yeah. uh, and uh, murder for hire and everything. But she was like, nah, I don't see it. Yeah, I saw I saw the trailer and I was like, mm, pass. And then I saw that everyone was recommending it. It was number one on Netflix yesterday. I'm like, ah, I'll I just got on the treadmill and I was like, yeah, I'll just see what this is about. Captive audience, right? And uh, I got maybe uh, 90 seconds into it and was just hooked. <laughs> was it so captive that you stopped the treadmill? No. Okay. Um, good news out of Washington, D.C. It looks like the Senate and the White House have agreed, negotiators have agreed to the details of what will be a gigantic stimulus slash recovery package uh, to deal with coronavirus and the after effects of it. And because of that news, the Dow has gained about 5% again. The Dow's up 1,100 points right now. 
uh, as we see some amount of good news coming out of uh, Washington, D.C. after these guys bitched and complained at each other for days and days. This is the largest economic rescue bill in history. I, I think a frustrating thing that we will dip into in the coming days, it's great news. It's great news that they have a plan. What sucks is there is so much crap and pork in this thing that these people need to be shamed. It would give direct payments to most Americans, expand unemployment benefits, provide a $367 billion program for small businesses Good news. to keep making payroll while people are forced to stay home. <laughs> but one of the last issues to close was about $500 billion for guaranteed subsidized loans to larger industries. Uh, there was a fight over how generous to be with airlines. Hospitals will get significant help as well. So that has not yet been voted on. We will keep an eye on that, see if it actually gets voted on today. What matters to you is the money coming to you, right? So this would be a one-time direct payment, $1,200 per adult making up to $75,000 a year, and $2,400 to a married couple making up to $150,000 a year, and then per child, $500. And that $75,000... Per person it diminishes. I think as it gets closer to a uh, hundred thousand per person, you would get less and less money. But that still covers ninety five percent, probably, of Americans that that make that much money that will be getting checks. So that is good news. Here's where we are with the numbers. We have four hundred twenty five thousand people across the world that have tested positive for this. The death toll is about 19,000 worldwide. In the United States, we've got more than 55,000 people that have gotten it and more than 800 who have died. New York has 10 times the number of cases California has. It looks like they're testing more, however. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we've seen out of Andrew Cuomo and his daily updates is just, first of all, the guy's not reading a thing. I mean, he's doing all of his stuff off the top of his head. I know that he's got a PowerPoint behind him and that sort of thing. But this guy is doing a great job keeping people updated, even in the grim times that he finds himself uh, in terms of being a governor in charge of a state that's seeing so many thousands of people die. There was an interesting thing that he said today in terms of how it is that the city is going to go about enforcing social distancing. He, he referred to it in a weird way. We'll also enact mandatory playground social density. It's probably a new concept. Playground social no density. No close contact sports in a playground. No basketball, <clears throat> for example. Uh, you cannot do it. Playground social density. That's, that's the issue that we've seen here. Beach social density. I mean, that's why people were so upset about and, and hiking trail social density. I felt density. like he misspoke and wanted to say distancing instead of density. No, he was. He, it doesn't make sense. That's exactly what he said. And, know, and, and I, he put it up he, on the PowerPoint oh, and everything. Really? Yeah. It was. Uh, it was that just doesn't an make odd any term. sense. Social density. That means 
uh, more people together density. No, no, he's trying to. He's yes, he's trying to lower the level of the yeah. social density. It's just, it's just. Hey, how about how about we just talk like regular people? Yeah. Don't go play a pickup game. Yeah, don't. <laughs> just stay away from each other when you're out in public. He, Why don't you just say that? He did have good news as well in terms of the hospitalizations. The, there was good news, bad news in what Governor Cuomo was saying today. First of all, the the bad news was the number of hospitalizations that they've seen in and around New York State are higher than what was expected. But the good news is, and it's a weird delineation, he said the number or the the frequency, the pace at which they're doubling their hospitalizations is slower than they expected. So it, it's the numbers are higher, but he said it's proving that social distancing or the playground social density issues, that those are all having a positive effect. They haven't peaked yet. They've not turned down the other way yet, but he said that they are having an effect. All right, coming up next, let's get to a sense of normalcy with what you watch in Wednesday. How about that? Absolutely. And we got a new movie. Oh, tonight, the- yes. Gascorn Theater. We have Gascorn Theater tonight, and we have the choice of three, and we'll go through all three of them real quick so that you can vote on it by the end of the show. Okay. I already know which one I'm pulling for. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. I gotta know it's a Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Prince Charles, 71-year-old Prince Charles has tested positive for coronavirus. And for those of you who were curious, the last time he hang up, he hang, hang out, hung out with his mom was the 12th of March. So if there was any sort of transmission between the prince and the queen... That would have taken place 13 days ago. She's on the outside edge of when she would have started showing symptoms. There was uh, some a couple requests when we were doing our uh, Instagram live video this morning to get the queen on the phone. And as much as I agree with y'all, I think it would be in bad taste because people are dying. We can't. Is that, I mean, do we need the queen? Like, is what is she going to say? Need the levity. I mean, of the queen, she's gonna on a couple gins. She's just gonna say that she and Prince Philip are s- sitting around staring at each I other. I think Prince Philip died four years ago. Well, that's like in that car when when he flipped the la- the yeah. Land Rover, yeah. or whatever that he was driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the end, and that this is all a weekend at Bernie's over there. And maybe this is an excuse they could finally off him officially and say, "Uh, he gave in to the coronavirus." Oh, true. And then. True. But they can't hold a funeral for him. Sad. This is a very sad note, by the way. A family friend of ours passed away over the weekend. Uh, longtime family friend, like decades. And the, I saw a Facebook post from his widow today. And she said, you know, thanks for all your words and messages. And it's been very nice. And he suffered for, had cancer for a long time and ended up with COPD and was in hospice for a while. After all of this is over, speaking of the coronavirus stuff, after all of this is over, we're going to hold it. You know, yeah, you can't celebration do Celebration of life. You can't you, have funerals. You can't have funerals right now. So I have bad news okay. for you. Oh, okay, that's not bad enough news. Get to it. Production of some of your favorite snacks are on hold right now. Okay. Frito-Lay's plant in Modesto has shut its doors temporarily because several employees have tested positive. Okay. So... Your potato chips. <laughs> My potato chips. I, in a moment of weakness, 
grabbed a handful of sour cream and onion ruffles. Ugh. That doesn't mean it's my potato chip. Sour cream and onion are the best. If you can get me a, no, can, I, a can of Pringles I, sour cream and onion. And I take it back. It wasn't I'll sour cream and that onion. Thing. It was sour cream and cheddar ruffles. Oh. So it comes with a fun orange dust. <laughs> and you ate the whole thing? Just, no, I said I had a handful of them. I didn't eat the whole bag. When you say a handful, that's like eight? Well, I was, wearing, we a, I was wearing a baseball glove at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the ice cream story. My wife... Um, this would never happen in my house. I said the other night when I was in a moment of weakness, I said, I, we don't have any ice cream in the house. Right. Is, is the way I said it. And my wife said, no, do you want some? And I said, no, I'm just saying that if we did right now would be that weak moment. I would eat some yesterday. She came home and announced that she bought two gallons of ice cream. Yeah, you need to come live with my husband. He won't be buying your ass any ice cream. But then again. He'd say, don't you even think about ice cream. I'm at the point now where knowing. It's knowing a that conversation that apparently has taken place. I have the proclivity to dip into that stuff. Mm-hmm. I will not do it unless I don't do that again. Crozier, you didn't get to see that. When I start talking about ice cream, she'll look at me in the eye and then just in just a just an instant she'll flick down and see if my belly's overhanging my belt and then flick back up to my eyes. I love how you're paranoid enough to notice that. My eyes are up here, lady. All right, it's time for what you're watching Wednesday. What's going on today? The Good following time. program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. I've been seeing this everywhere. Uh, Netflix just last week debuted. Is it a series? It is a series, It's a series. I believe there are eight episodes. And I remember doing the story on like a Sunday morning 500 years ago when it was all going down um, and just thinking, wow, I can't believe I haven't heard about this more. Like nobody's picked up on this story. Like why aren't people talking about this? And now they've put together this Netflix special and it is wild. Remember how we saw uh, abducted in plain sight about the weird Mormon family and the, the bee and the, the girl and the whole bit. It's kind of the same vein of you just can't make this S up. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bum. Oklahoma, who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Yeah. Uh, this guy then got involved in a murder-for-hire plot as well. I guess the woman who was trying to shut down, she, she's doing a big cat rescue kind of thing, and she was trying to shut down Joe Exotic and his shows and farm. So they, I've just watched one episode. So in the first episode, and I'm not giving anything away, they highlight Joe Exotic and another guy who has uh, big cats too. And people come and they see the big cats and they pet them and they pay a certain amount of money, right? It's just like a zoo, but like a rural, uh, low-key, home, do-it-yourself zoo type thing. Um, this guy, Joe Exotic, he's got 227 of these big cats, and he he pays about a quarter of a million of do- a quarter million dollars a year just to feed them. Anyway, so he has his zoo, and there's another guy in South Carolina who has his zoo. I think I think Joe's is in Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. And then the woman from Florida, 
she has this sanctuary where she allegedly rescues these big cats from places like Joe Exotic and, and the other dude in South Carolina. But here's the catch. She also has people come in to see the cats and she charges. So everyone's making money off these animals. Right. And Joe Exotic and the other guy are like, we're cool to the animals. Like, we love the animals. We have a bond with the animals, the whole bit. And she's making them out to be like these uh, torture chamber type people that are that, that are torturing these animals and not doing it the right way. And so the two, the three of them are all at each or it, the two guys against her are at each other's throats. Joe Exotic has his own TV show uh, that he that he does out of like his basement. And he uses a lot of his programming time to go after this woman. And it gets really nasty to the point where at one point it was kind of a death threat situation. So he's in jail. He's in prison right now for trying to have a have somebody murder her allegedly and he maintains that he, this is all bogus and he should not have been incarcerated over this yeah and the in the, the cast of characters everyone involved it's island of misfit toys that's what <laughs> i think your wife will really like about it like it's you just can't, you can't make these people up you just can't you can't even imagine them and and there they are Wow. So that's on Netflix. Uh, and it's all about that guy. And what I loved is in the trailer, and I didn't know this about the guy in the trailer, he describes that he's also a recording artist. Yes. And I found his video on YouTube called I Saw Tiger. I Saw Tiger. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. What's funny is uh, it, the quality of this music video is similar to something that we would have done at Chico State to get through our Media 29, yes. uh, Media Arts 29 class. What a beautiful I remember we shot a, a video to Were the Kids in America, that song? Yeah. That was our music video. Uh, he's also gay. He has a oh, husband. Okay. You, you say that all the time, though. You say no, that no, about no. people. No, no, no. He's really, honestly gay. And he's, he's really gay. <laughs> you know? And uh, he, he tells <laughs> No, I mean it this time. I mean it for reals. For reals. Like if gay people had a superhero, it'd be Joe Exotic. <laughs> kind of. Okay. He tells a story about uh, telling his dad that he was gay. And his dad making his mother watch as they shook hands and he said now this is a promise that you will not even show up to my funeral like he was tortured over it because dad was joe exotic because his dad just wrote him off like don't even come to my funeral and there was a suicide attempt after that It, it just it's so layered the story is so layered and and carlo's wife told me that it gets even weirder in the next episode like episode one like 30-minute, 60-minute episodes, do you know? 50-minute okay. was the first one. Well, this is what show again? Tiger King. Oh, yeah. I keep seeing the preview coming yeah. up on the Tiger It's worth King it. It's crazier it's than what's going on, and that is nice. And that's a nice thing. <laughs> All right. We come back. Tonight's quarantine theater for Gary and Shannon. Three movies that we're going to choose from. We'll go through those next. Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Gary. Yes. You're forgetting something. Um, it's a Tarzan Wednesday. I, I always, Don't take that from us. I always forget Tarzan. Let's see if I can find some Tarzan. Um, people, people count on Tarzan Wednesday. And when you don't come through, it does something to the morale of this place. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. That's a sad statement about the morale of this place, if that's what it takes to. At the top of the hour, we're going to be joined by Assistant Special Agent in Charge Michael Harrington. Talk about, uh, from the FBI, talk about what's going on with these fraud schemes that have been related to the coronavirus pandemic, things that you can look out for and things that they know have been going on. So if you've got them in your email inbox right now or been getting phone calls, you can watch out for them. All right. So uh, our gas quarantine theater, we know that everybody's got their own things to do, but we figure we might as well do some things apart together. And one of the things is that we are going to sit and watch movies every once in a while together. So tonight at eight o'clock, you guys are going to pick a movie. We're all going to watch it together starting right at 8 o'clock. Now, the three movies that we chose were all suggestions. After Sunday night, we watched The Sandlot together. Forever. And said, hey, let's get some ass-kicking movies in here every once in a while. Let's uh, start to speed this thing up and talk about how we can ex- exercise our ass-kickingness. Yeah. that's what we do in America. I love ass-kicking. So, uh, the three that we chose... To put up for vote today, and you can go on Twitter, at Gary and Shannon, and make your selection about what will be our movie tonight. The first one is Roadhouse. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't Don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. Oh, I've never geez. seen Roadhouse. I am ashamed of you. Turn in your card. And feel like you need to watch it, regardless of what the choice is tonight. That's something you need to watch. Patrick Swayze? You've yeah. never seen that? Is is that where he's a stripper or something? No, he's oh, a you bouncer. you should have said yes, totally. <laughs> he's a bouncer. I don't know if he ever actually played a stripper outside of the Saturday Night Live skit. Too okay. Wong Fu, probably the closest. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze, uh, Sam Neill, and a bunch of other people that you wouldn't recognize, or even if you saw them today, you would not, uh, you'd probably bump into them on the street and uh, ask for their Is that the one, is, paper. that's his wife in the movie? Or? That's, I don't know if they were ever married. Um, but the the bad guy in this one looks like Ben Kingsley. It's not, but looks like him. Isn't it another Ben though? <laughs> it is something like <laughs> that. All right. So our second choice for tonight's gas quarantine theater is much more recent. John Wick. Jonathan, you got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? But nobody. I also have not seen uh, John Wick. Not your speed, 
but a very well done movie. <gasps> well, well done on that choice of wording there. Um, Not your speed. Does but, that mean you're a girl? No, no, no. It. I are will you, say are John you Wick is hate a, women today. Not again. Uh, I will say <laughs> this time. I will say John Wick is a violent movie. It is a violent. I do movie. like violence. Okay, well then maybe. Which is why I'm friends with Nick. Um, so there's that. And then our third selection tonight <laughs> what do you mean? for Gas Quarantine Theater, our third choice. And again, we you get to break vote. That vase. No, I did not break the vase. At Gary and Shannon is Tombstone. <laughs> you just told me to move on. It was a place <laughs> where a man could start over. I love Tombstone. Where a fortune could be made. They say every town has a story. Tombstone oh. as a legend. So good. Who is he? It's Wider. Better name for himself as a peace officer. I heard of you. I'm retired. You must be Doc Holliday. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Oh, I uh, love him. I love that character. I love that movie. I love everything about that movie. All right. If it doesn't win, I'll be very sad. The <laughs> least of the action slash violent of those movies, but... It makes up for it in other ways. Yeah. So good. So our three choices tonight for Gas Quarantine Theater, you vote at Gary and Shannon on Twitter, Roadhouse, John Wick, and Tombstone. And then we'll all watch the winner tonight. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll announce the winner at the end of the show today. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll get the FBI on when we come back. We'll have to get it together. Speaking of Keanu Reeves. Get this thing back on the rails. FBI! Coming up next. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. If you're keeping track, it is Wednesday. Wednesday, March 25th is the date. It is, huh? We're still in this mess that is 2020. It's a Tarzan Wednesday as well. Now, what is the latest? Glad you asked. Britain's Prince Charles has tested positive. Conversely, India has locked down its 1.3 billion people, one-sixth of the Earth's population. Lawmakers in Washington have agreed on this domestic aid package, the largest of its kind in U.S. history, $3 trillion. You would get a one-time payment of $1,200 per adult and $500 per child, up to, I believe, $75,000 a year in annual pay. And again, I'm just wondering... There are a number of people that were making above $75,000 but are now out of work. Yeah. So what about them? Mm. D- did nobody bring this up on Capitol Hill? Uh, I have. I don't know. I don't know why they thought that they should have a cutoff at that point. I, in terms of the cost, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That- you just look at the restaurant industry alone. Sure. I'm sure there are people making more than seventy five grand that are now making nothing. Uh, they need the relief. Johns Hopkins University says more than 19,000 people globally have died. Can I do good news, please? Good news, boppers. How about this? Good news about all of this. A team of Canadian scientists has finally isolated and grown copies of this coronavirus, which may now help them study this pathogen to develop better testing, treatments, vaccines, get a better understanding of its biology. That's good news. Okay. Can I do another one? Yeah, something that's not from Canada. China. Okay. 
China is testing five different vaccine options, and China says they may have a vaccine ready by next month. Eight different institutes in China working on five different inoculations to battle this novel coronavirus. According to our estimates, we're hopeful in April some of these vaccines will enter clinical research or be of use in emergency situations. Now, that does not up the schedule, perhaps, of a of a vaccine that would be available for the general public. That's still a good 12 to 18 months away, but that's a massive step in the right direction. I have a Darwin Award winner to tell you about. We were going to pick one Darwin Award winner per day mm-hmm. of people uh, that are, are dumb and uh, get what's coming to them. We're just going to narrow it down, though, to one. <laughs> You're right. We could do one an hour, probably. One a segment. A man in Rwanda defied that nationwide lockdown to go fishing. What do you think has happened to him? Oh, I think I saw this one. He's been killed and eaten by a crocodile. Don't defy the lockdown. You see the guy out of Kentucky? No. He's tested positive for coronavirus after going to a coronavirus party. Can we not have coronavirus parties? Well, it's not like chicken pox. Remember, that was a big thing. I remember like 10, 15 years ago, that became a big deal. Oh, yeah. Where everybody expose would your, expose everybody. Expose your kid, get it out of the way. It's not really going to hurt them, although there was a you know very small percentage of people that were going to have complications from it. Um. The uh, right at the beginning of the show is when we saw San Bernardino County give uh, an update. San Bernardino County reported its first first death associated with coronavirus uh, was a person, a man, 50 years old, had some underlying health conditions. And as an update to another local case yesterday, Dr. Barbara Ferrer from L.A. County announced the death of someone under the age of 18 up in Lancaster from coronavirus. They've actually backed off of that. A bit. And the, at least L.A. County Health has and said that he died and did pe- test positive for coronavirus. But they're not exactly sure if that is, in fact, what killed him. And they're going to wait for uh, final determination, perhaps, from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for for someone there to make that determination, taking into account all of what this guy's health uh, was about. But his father, apparently 50, 51 year old father, was an Uber driver who tested positive for coronavirus as well and is being taken care of in a hospital. So that may be where he got it from. So, um, And then uh, we'll have to do this a little bit later as well. This this update on sports. Did you see Scott Boris's plan? Scott Boris, the big super agent. agent. His idea is to play an entire Major League Baseball schedule of 162 games. Tomorrow, by the way, was supposed to be opening day for the Major League. That makes me sad. Tomorrow, they're saying, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he wants to have an entire 162-game schedule with a World Series game on Christmas Day. Well, it looks like scammers are leveraging this whole pandemic to steal your own money. Assistant Special Agent in Charge Michael Harrington with the FBI joins us now to provide us with what we can look out for. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. No, my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. So what should we be on the lookout for? 
So um, a lot of these scams come in through unsolicited emails or phone calls. And uh, what, what they're going to try to do is take advantage of, uh, of this situation to provoke an emotional reaction to, uh, to have you give up, either give up some information about yourself or click on a link or open a file that will then compromise your system and, and allow them to steal money. Or in some cases, they'll ask you to transfer money directly. Um, I've been seeing a lot of ads for things like hand sanitizer, face masks, respirators, those types of things. And I don't recognize the brand names. Would that be something to watch out for as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, what what they're going to try to do is uh, is take advantage of the things that that you want in a in a situation of uncertainty about this. In some cases, that's information. In some cases, it's uh, the opportunity to help out and contribute to to charities that will help other people. And in some cases, that's uh, your know, resources to protect yourself, such as you know scarce supplies, masks, hand sanitizer. Um, a lot of those uh, may be counterfeit. A lot of them just may be straight-up scams where they're just trying to get your money and they're never going to provide the resource that they had. So I would say it's always best to just take a deep breath, think about it. If it sounds too good to be true, uh, if it just doesn't, something doesn't sound right about it, then uh, you know, think twice and just don't do it. Now, in terms of uh, where people would get information about some of these frauds, I understand. Uh, frauds and scams, I understand that not only CDC has information, but Food and Drug, perhaps, uh, foodandfda.gov, their website would have information as well? Right. Um, so I, I would say uh, cdc.gov is probably going to be uh, one of your best resources. Uh, the other one I would say is coronavirus.gov, which is a good uh, site that provides a lot of you know, information about uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus situation specifically. So I would say people should seek out information from authoritative sources like that. You know, CDC, World Health Organization, um, if, it's, uh, if it's coming to you in an unsolicited email uh, through a, an app or a website that is not affiliated with an authoritative source, um, I would tell people to stay away from those. Uh, you know, the information could be bad, or in some cases, they could be trying to compromise your computer or steal some uh, some information or money from you. All right. So don't open those attachments or click on links within emails from people you don't know. Don't provide usernames, passwords, date of birth, SSN, uh, financial data, any of that, and verify the web address. Absolutely. And uh, you know, if you receive an email from, say, that purports to be uh, the payroll department of your employer or purports to be from the CDC and has really enticing or interesting information that you, you want, um, instead of clicking on that link in the email, just go straight to the website. Just type it in yourself so that you know you're going to the actual website that you want to go to instead of being misdirected to uh, to one that you just think is where you want to go. Awesome. Uh, Special Agent Michael Harrington, thank you for your time. My pleasure. You bet. And if you feel like you want to report any suspicious activity, you can go to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, which is IC3, IC and the number 3, dot G-O-V for information and uh, how you can report potential scams. Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We will uh, bring you the update from Los Angeles County officials coming up sometime after 1230. That's when they've been doing it every day and bring you the latest on how coronavirus has been active in the community. Yesterday, there was an announcement that one of the deaths in L.A. County was up in Lancaster, a 17-year-old who died from coronavirus. But they have pushed back on that just a little bit. He did test positive for coronavirus after death. And uh, the mayor in Lancaster had been uh, had suggested that that was absolutely improper, that he showed enough symptoms that he should have been tested beforehand, although it, we're not certain that that's, in fact, what killed him. He was positive for coronavirus, but we're not certain that that was the cause of death. Anyway, we'll try to get some clarification for that a little bit later. The White House and the Senate leaders reached a deal very early this morning, D.C. time, on this huge stimulus package they hope is going to keep us from falling into the recession because of the coronavirus. They will inject about $2 trillion, T, trillion dollars into the economy. There will be tax rebates. There will be expanded unemployment benefits, a bunch of business tax relief provisions aimed at shoring up business finances and family finances and individual finances. And one of the things is $500 billion for a major corporate liquidity program that would be run through the Fed, about $367 billion for a small business loan program, $100 billion for hospitals, $150 billion for state and local governments. And one of the key things in terms of what we would see uh, in our own homes is a one-time check of $1,200 to Americans if you make up to $75,000. From that point, I think, to about 100000 it starts to diminish. You would still get cash. Uh, but a couple, for example, who makes over $200,000 is probably not going to see much, if any, money. The, the original, uh, if you have little or no tax liability, you are going to still get, if you're one of the lowest earners, you're still going to get that $1,200. The original Republican proposal would have given them a minimum of $600. So five days of intense, round-the-clock, 24-hour negotiation. And finally, they say that they've got this thing, and we'll see when they vote on it a little bit later. Sorry, I was on the phone with the Navy. Oh, well, you know. Are you going to join? We're going to interview somebody aboard the Mercy Oh, good. this afternoon. Um, for Well, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, have that interview for you. Tomorrow, Newsom uh, announced that they will be arriving Friday. Excellent. Again, the end of this week very looking already very different than the beginning of this week. So I mentioned this a second ago, and I want to get into some of the details of it because it's tomorrow was supposed to be Dodgers and the rest of Major League Baseball's opening day. <sighs> Remember baseball? Remember? Remember basketball? My voice cracked a little bit just now. Or anything. Uh, or hockey. This is Brady. Or any comp- competition. Uh, so Scott Boris, the super agent who made about $100 million over the course of the last couple of months with the free agent signings that he was in charge of, he had a plan that he sent to Major League Baseball's head offices in New York about what he thinks could happen on the other side of this, that there would be a way to salvage a Major League Baseball season. He, I'm listening. He wrote out two plans. One of them would be a 162-game season, a full season that starts on June 1st. That might be a little optimistic, but he also gave them a plan for a 144-game season that would start on July 1st, which would be much more realistic. Now, of course, that means that the end of the season would have to be pushed way back into December. Christmas. But listen to what he says. 
he has long been a proponent of playing the World Series, at, at least portions of it, in a neutral stadium. And if you have a game, if you have playoffs and uh, the World Series going into December, it's going to be cold. It's going to be very cold. So his suggestion is that all postseason games are played in neutral stadiums, either in Southern California or in domed stadiums around the country. There's plenty of them, right? I mean, he's talking about having all of these things played in Seattle or Houston or Minnesota. And throughout Southern California, San Diego, and of course, our two, you know, Los Angeles, uh, Dodger Stadium and, and Angel Stadium. As much as I want to entertain this idea, I kind of feel like we're talking about the bullet train. And Houston? Why should Houston get anything? Yeah, Houston because should get of, nothing. Right. <laughs> they should never have anything again. But we would need a stadium. We would need a field. And that's what he's talking about. Anaheim, L.A., San Diego, of course. But... Miami, Seattle, Arizona, Milwaukee, Toronto, Houston, um, St. Petersburg, and Arlington would have the places for for these postseason games to take place. And there would be no days off in the postseason. You'd cram it all together because the travel would be reduced depending on where you put each of these individual series. And then that would mean that there was a chance for a – would be a game six, I think, according to his schedule. A game six of the World Series would be played on Christmas Day. Your face is so happy. <laughs> it's hope. I don't I know. It's I don't it's want you to all... you wouldn't buy a single present for your kids. <laughs> no, I wouldn't ask. That's no. I wouldn't ask for a present from my kids. I would buy them stuff. I just don't want you to have false hope. Well, I I don't want to see the I know the reality of this is it's not great. Fleeting. It's like when Wiley e. Coyote runs away and there's just a Smoke cloud shaped like I Wiley told Coyote. You, since we are still working together, I'm happy to <laughs> hit some balls. You know, out at a, a diamond around here. Although we'd probably get arrested or something. I would have you arrested, yes. I would be for that if they made them play regardless of the weather inside. <laughs> oh, remember when we used to do balls jokes all the oh. time? Those were good days. Maybe we sprinkle in some balls jokes to the show today. Just for old time's sake. Don't forget to vote for tonight's gas quarantine theater movie at Gary and Shannon. We're choosing between Tombstone, Roadhouse, and John Wick. <laughs> Nick's going to have me fired. I tried to move past it. <laughs> you look so disappointed. I can't though, no. You're essential. I am essential. <laughs> yeah. I even have... Hey. P.S. I'm the only one that got an essential badge out of all y'all. You got a badge? There's yeah. A, yeah. There's, a badge. There oh is my a gosh. flaw I'll show in the system. It's terrifying if I am a critical member of the response team. Did someone hand it to you? Somebody screwed up. Somebody from management walked in and handed it to her. All right. Uh, When we come back, Justin Warsham usually talks about parenting stuff and kids things, right? Justin's also in the real estate world. He's going to talk to us about what his personal experience has been over these last couple of weeks with people freaking out because of coronavirus. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. New York has emerged as our coronavirus hotspot in this country. 
makeshift morgue has been set up outside Bellevue Hospital. City's police have been told to patrol nearby uh, nearly empty streets to enforce the social distancing. Wow. They're, they say they're hunting down beds and medical equipment, putting out a call for more doctors and nurses because they just think the, the number of sick will explode in a matter of weeks, overwhelming hospitals the way we saw in Italy and Spain. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more law enforcement involvement over the next uh, five to seven days. There have been places that have suggested they will start imposing fines on people who are caught outside doing non-essential stuff or going out for anything other than medical appointments or groceries. And uh, it's it's a matter of time, I think, as we see people ignoring the suggestions of safer at home and safe at home. When I got here today, I was at that stoplight across the street, wondering why I was stopped at the stoplight. Ain't nobody else around. Ain't nobody else around. And there was a line outside of Whole Foods. And everyone in the line, I want to say there was maybe 20 people in line, were about six feet apart. Yeah, It was very odd just to see that along the sidewalk there, six feet spacing. And I'm assuming that they're only letting in a handful of people at a time so that when you're in the market, you can keep your distance too. It's crazy times. Well, there are uh, businesses that are taking a hit as a result of this. I mean, just about every business is taking a hit because of what's been going on and the social distancing and safer at home guidelines. Justin Warsham joins us. And of course, Justin, as you hear him on uh, Wednesdays regularly later in the afternoon, we talk about some parenting issues. But Justin, you've also gotten into the world of real estate. And this has been an interesting time for you. What's been going on? Uh, It's been crazy. I've been calling this a microcosm of a buyer's market within a seller's market. So as many of you already know, (laughs) talk to me like I'm a four year old. (laughs) Okay. Is uh, So right now, before all this broke, we had a seller's market because we had a low su- supply, which creates a high demand for houses, which causes the price to go up, right? Well, right now, nobody's buying houses. And if you have a seller who needs to get out of their house, I've heard anecdotal, like from other agents, that your people are closing houses or get, accepting offers for 5 to 10% below listing price. In some cases, even like sometimes, you know how you'll see a house and they'll list it at a certain amount and then the price will get driven up. And that was part of the strategy. Well, some agents who had listings come to the market that they put that out there, that was their plan. That plan ain't working now because nobody's writing offers and now they're getting offers below list, which is crazy. It's not something we're used to. Well, I wonder if the the president has been saying repeatedly that there is a lot of pent up uh, economic activity just waiting to be unleashed and now that we've seen everything kind of grind to a halt because of the orders that have been placed on us by governments do you feel like uh, on the other side of this whatever that might be that that things will jump right back to where they were honestly i don't know because the temperament like it's funny if the buyers of uh, southern california all got on a facebook group right and all decided that these are way too high prices to be paying for homes, they could shift the entire market. They just have to develop a hive mind. And we've been talking, my friends, my broker, like, is this the event that pushes? Because everybody thought it was going to be buyer fatigue, where buyers is like just a common mindset. We're just going to be like, I'm not, I'm tired of paying over a million dollars for a house. I'm not doing that anymore. And that would cause the market to shift. And now everybody's saying, maybe this is the thing that causes the market to shift. Because we're going to we're experiencing five ten percent drops in prices, right? And it's going to take a while before those start to tick back up again. I think. 
So, in short, I really don't know. I wish I did, but I don't. So, bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. If the, Our association, the California Association of Realtors, put out a form. This is another interesting thing. We have a coronavirus addendum, which basically explains to both parties that this is considered force majeure, which is a legal term that basically means unforeseeable circumstances is the way it was explained to me. So if you are a buyer, and I want to first say this, I'm not your agent. You should always talk to your agent. I'm also not a lawyer. Uh, But if you are a buyer and you've removed all contingencies, but say now the market's tanked or you lost your job, traditionally, you would be at risk of losing your earnest money deposit, that first initial chunk you put into escrow when you get an offer accepted. You can technically get that back because this is an unforeseen circumstance. And when I say technically, what I mean is that lawyers are saying some judges may decide or an arbiter may decide that, yes, this is this is grounds for you to get all your earnest money back and just walk away from a deal, even though you were three weeks into escrow before all this happened. Justin. So if you can buy. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. So if you could buy, if you could get in there, go do it. The, the hard part is, is that the California Association of Realtors has deemed real estate agents to be non-essential, right? We're non-essential. So you'd have to do it in non-face-to-face transactions. So everything would have to be, do, uh, be done virtually. So, like, for my listing, I've got a virtual tour now where I go through with my phone and I give tours. People are giving tours of homes via Zoom now on their phone. I literally showed a listing that I have here in Burbank while the people who wanted to buy it sat in their car on the sidewalk, and I walked them through the house through my phone and gave them a virtual tour of the home because they couldn't come in the home. Wow. I guess everybody's learning how to adapt to all of yeah. this. I mean, it, had this been 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible. I mean, you would have had to take a giant VHS camera with a tape deck on your hip <laughs> and then play the tape Very for true. it later. Uh, how's Very it going true. at your house? Uh, are you all still alive and communicating with each other? Yeah, everything is. Here's the thing. Um, I've I've talked about it on our parenting segments. I am not ashamed of the occasional day drinking. So if I'm not uh, transacting in real estate, here's what I found, that Woodford bourbon really helps me get through my parenting day. Just takes a, I'm, not, I'm not hammered. You can tell me right now. I'm hitting all the hard consonants. But just a little bit, just a little sip, uh, just it makes everything, it eases the tension a little bit it's in the not, house. It's okay. Let me just give you a clue. It's not the hard consonants that are the first to go. It, it's the diphthongs. It, it's those two-letter oh, no. two combinations that are – you start to swallow words and letters that you're not supposed to. Certain certain syllables will disappear. It's not the hard concept. Well, how do how do I sound? Do I sound sober enough to where my kids aren't going to think I have a problem? You sound or, totally I mean, sober. Yes, yeah. this this oh, good. Oh, this good. will not show up in therapy. And to make you feel a little bit better, I saw three people take fireball shots this morning before 10 a.m. Yeah, you did. Listen, these are weird times. You do weird things. Seriously. Weird hey, before we leave this real estate thing, I wanted people to also know that if you are a cash buyer, uh, oftentimes you get offers that are cash that people would think that they could pay less for cash. Now cash buyers can because you don't have to worry about the lenders and whether or not the deal will close. Lenders are getting tighter on their lending. Uh, they're doing what they call dual employment verification. So when you start the loan, they call your employer, make sure you're employed. But now right before they fund that loan, they call again just to make sure that you are still working wow. uh, before they'll fund that loan for you. It's Man. like it's it's close to 08. I would say it's like a it's a diet version of 08 right now.
Which but, is interesting because uh, I should cause, probably go if you guys don't have to go. So I got to get some bourbon in me. No, I was just going to say, <laughs> but, but it's different because in '08, I mean, there were there were problems in the financial market itself that caused this or that caused that uh, 12 years ago. This is something completely outside of uh, of the financial market in that it didn't start there. You know, it's ended up there no. in certain ways, but. And that's been the challenge is that with 08, there was numbers and math, you know, like I have all my clients going, what should I do? And I said, I go, here's the thing. If you can buy and you have the means to buy, I still think it's a strong time to buy because you have leverage right now where traditionally you would be competing with tons of people. Now you don't have that competition. There's lots of listings that are just waiting for offers out there. But the problem is, is that how can you foresee a biological thing? Like, that's what I said. I go, I don't, I don't know how to predict the biology of what's going to happen with the people and the virus and everything to see what's going to happen with the market. There are people that are saying it could be two to three months. There's people that are saying nine months to a year before we see a turnaround. Well, and the important thing that you said at the very beginning was if that, if you are in the middle of some sort of a transaction that you contact, uh, you contact your agent and get some of these questions answered. Also worth mentioning that there is a a moratorium. uh, I hope I use that word right. They're shutting down uh, evictions or foreclosures until May 31st. So I'm not recommending people don't pay their rent. I'm not saying that at all, but uh, you can't evict. So anybody who's looking to buy a rental property, just understand, or if you have a a place that's vacant right now, people can move in there and technically they can decide they don't want to pay rent until after May uh, May 31st is the current cutoff. That deadline could be extended. And then what happens is after May 31st, you have six months to make up the rent that uh, that you owe. So you have until the end of December. And a lot of people are like, oh, landlords are so rich. What difference does it make? And what people don't know, in my opinion, most landlords are just mom and pop. There's right. a lot of elderly people that they entire, all of their income is based off of rental income. Yep. So if you start just stop paying your rent, you're hosing elderly people. That's their only source of income beyond Social Security, if they even have that. All right. Zoom sex parties when we come back. Justin, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I want in. <laughs> <laughs> you want to want to stay on the line? <laughs> I do, I do. I told you. Can I get on those Zoom? I uh, probably shouldn't be drinking so much. <laughs> you're in the second bottle already today, huh? <laughs> second is a word. Thanks, man. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A couple things to remember that at uh, 1220, we're going to check in with a, a local restaurant. This one, Monica's Tacos. Talk about how you can, some of the special offerings that they've got for you. Try to keep the doors open as we get through this whole thing. On Twitter, at Gary and Shannon, we're choosing between movies for tonight's Gas Quarantine Theater. We've got uh, we got three to choose from, and they're kind of... They're all kind of ass-kicking. One of them is uh, Tombstone. Uh, it's going to be... Everybody knows Tombstone, right? Western, yeah. Wyatt Earp. Uh, there's also... Let's see. There's Roadhouse. Yeah. There's John Wick. Mm. All of them available for you to go check out and see which uh, which one you think we should watch tonight. Together Apart at 8 o'clock. All of a sudden, everybody is on Zoom. Hell, there's even sex parties on Zoom. It's a video conferencing service. And it has become vital pretty much overnight. It used to just be an app to host remote business meetings, and now it's connecting everyone in a range of capacities. Um, it looks like classroom, you know, teachers are using Zoom. 
companies, obviously salespeople, and people are using it to connect with their loved ones. It's currently the top free downloaded app in Apple's App Store. <laughs> According to data gathered by LearnBonds.com, a financial publication, downloads for Zoom increased 1,270% in the past month. Have you seen the teacher uh, Zoom video of the one lady? My girlfriend is a teacher was showing me it, that it was a bunch of teachers there and one lady was talking and one of the girls in one of the little video windows, she grabs her phone, gets up, starts walking through the house and then goes to the bathroom and puts the phone down yes. on the floor and still aims it at herself. <laughs> yes. And somebody on the video call says, poor Jennifer. <laughs> And the girl talking had no idea because she was looking down reading. So she just kept talking and everybody's going, oh, my God, what are you doing? Well, my understanding yeah, don't is don't take can, Zoom to the toilet. You can also turn off the video so that your picture doesn't actually show up. You're just listening in on it. Uh, but I've also seen grids, you know, the, your your screen is full of 12 or 60, yeah, however many people are, are there on your meeting. Uh, <laughs> there have been some problems with it where people are hacking into the signal and uh, Dolores in St. Louis is all of a sudden replaced by some hardcore porn thing in like one little yeah. grid. Oh, Dolores, what are you doing? And yeah, she can't gotta... tell. I mean, like you said, she's she's not aware of what everyone else is seeing necessarily. In New York, they had a, a queer sex party on Zoom because they've been in isolation and they're not allowed to get out there. And are those guys gay? Yes. Well, I don't know. It's described as queer, so I think that's different ah. than gay. Which part? You didn't know this? No. Well, I think we've been over this. I mean, I read the part of the article where the guy basically said, "You know, we're we're at we're an open, we're an open, inclusive, consent-minded group." Um, sorry, I gotta my, say, I listen to you guys when I'm like home and I'm not here working. So to watch you guys try to work your way through these landmines is as good as listening. Oh, I'm me, googling this. The entire art. Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what part okay. of it are you trying to okay, figure queer, out? Queer. Okay. Uh, it's a wide range of identities. Um. Queer okay, so strange, you could be gay, right? you could be trans, but you're both queer. So queer's the umbrella over which Interesting. there okay. are other letters underneath. All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Exactly. Okay. I okay. Feel like I'm getting something now. I think Chappelle did a thing where he did the whole LGBTQ thing and he says, imagine all of them in a car. And the Q is the one in the back that everybody just looks at with like, like disdain. Like, oh, he's here. <laughs> Well, the Q is trying to be, you know, hipper than the LGBT. Right. So the so the other ones are more stuck up about it, I right, guess. Right. So the Q is They're actually more, more the the Q is more inclusive. More progressive. Cuz you just don't know. I mean, it could be anything. It's like it's, a it's, Cobb salad. It might it could I, be, I may have gone it, off. It could be a there. Cobb salad may have, or may maybe All right. Let's um let's take a break. Yes, great idea. Put the car back on the tracks. All right. And well done. um and we'll talk trending when we come back. Oh, I included, also have more good news. There's been a guy in New Jersey that's been charged with terrorism because of his coronavirus behavior. Oh, great. Tell you about it. Morons. We'll continue with Gary and Shannon.
Shannon. I'm not sure if that we have a little hand sanitizer stand right outside the studio here. Uh-huh. So you you know, every time you come and go, it's a good idea to get a little dollop, a wallop or whatever it is and rub that thing around. Does it offend you that when people leave here like Nick comes in and gives us thing every time he leaves, he hand sanitizer. Like well, we're I mean, the dirty ones. We could be. We could be the we dirty ones. We do have ones. to assume. That we could have it right now. I, we could. Do we don't know that. Possible. We've been told by by many officials, assume that you've got it. Right. And, uh, and act accordingly. Be clean. I have a problem. Oh, I'm curious, well, though. Um, we were talking with our buddy, Carl, from Santa Clarita. Yes, Carl who, Goldman. Who had the coronavirus. And he was told that he is going to be immune, they believe, for months, if not years, or weeks, if not months. Right. But that they don't really know yet. Yeah. So my question is, is if you and I had it in December and we got it again, or one of us got it again, Mm -hmm. are we just passing it back and forth? (laughs) Like it's staying alive in the studio? As the, as the, the weeks progress? I don't think that's a problem. Because December was months ago. So say you and I had it and went through us or whatever, and then we're immune for eight weeks or whatever. Yeah. And then one of us picks it up at the supermarket and gives it. Right back. Yeah. Well, I think these last uh, two minutes of discussion have proved why we never went to medical school. Just the two minutes? I have no idea. Yeah, just these two minutes. (laughs) Everything else is like, oh, you guys should be going to medical school. I'm just curious. No, I don't don't think that's – I do think that the immunization – I mean, listen, I'm, again, not a doctor. It seems like, based on the people who have recovered to this point, there are weird one-time stories that you've seen about people who say they got it once and got it again. It's more likely that they received an inaccurate test or the results were inaccurate on one or the other. Just based on the way viruses go, and this one we know is not mutating very fast. That I'm confident in. Just stop giving it to me. I'm not. What else I'm is going not on? Giving you the virus. <laughs> Time for what's happening. <laughs> well, the White House and Senate negotiators have struck a deal on this biggest in United States history two trillion dollar package that will help the struggling economy. Whoop! Whoop! There's a problem. Whoop! There's a problem. Yes, sir. Three Republican senators have said that if it stays the way it's written right now, they will vote no. There's a, what they refer to as a massive drafting error in this legislation. It's a very weird and specific thing. It says, the current version of this would pay workers more in unemployment benefits than they're currently making. If you if you stick to that $600 per week payment on top of the ordinary benefits that are calculated as a percentage of your income. They want to make sure that we're not encouraging people to get unemployed. Yeah. I mean, it sucks if you are and if that's what you I mean, if your job is taken away from you or you get laid off, that's what they want to protect you from. They don't want to give you incentive to leave a job to get more money. Under this plan, individuals who earn $75,000 or less would get direct payments of $1,200 each, with married couples earning up to $150,000, receiving $2,400. An additional $500 per child would be tacked on. And then the payment scales down as the income rises. If you make $99,000 or more, uh, you don't get anything. 
Yeah, 198,000 for couples without children. So that they according to the Tax Policy Center, 90% of Americans would be eligible to get either full or even partial payments. They're not saying how long it's going to take to get them out. Again, it hasn't even been voted on by the Senate, still has to go through the House and then be signed into law by the president. Prince Charles has tested positive but is said to be in good health. He's 71. He was displaying mild symptoms. The concern a lot of people had was whether or not he had been around his mother. And according to Buckingham Palace, they said the the queen last saw her son on March 12th, but was in good health, that the queen is in good health currently. That would have been 13 days ago. They're saying that symptoms usually show up somewhere between 3 and 14 days. So we're on the outside of that. That's good news. The prince was not there. Prince Philip. To be specific, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, was not at that meeting. He's 192 years old, so they were much more concerned about him. Villanueva is backing off that closing down gun shops in L.A. County idea. (laughs) Uh, This was not going to go well anyway. That was not going to go well. Uh, He said he's backing off the plan. He's more concerned with enforcing social distancing and slowing down panic buying than closing stores completely. Uh, He announced uh, last night on Twitter that enforcement efforts to close non-essential businesses have been suspended and that Governor Newsom will determine what qualifies as a non-essential business. And I think in this for the same reason that we reacted to it yesterday when Villanueva had made the announcement that that gun stores were considered non-essential, you run into a you run into a constitutional issue determining what is essential and non-essential when there's a business that is specifically spelled out. In the, uh, you know, Constitution. covid file now. We've got a guy in Missouri who has been charged with a terrorist threat because he was licking things at a, at a Walmart, filming himself, and then posting it to social media. <laughs> Dumbass. He's not the first person to get in trouble for licking surfaces. A grown man named Cody. There was a manager of a grocery store in Wisconsin who called police after a woman licked the door handle to a freezer, reportedly to protest the virus. Oh, that makes sense. Didn't Morgan do this? Didn't she lick something? Or she was going to, and then December stopped her, I think. And we've got another guy in New Jersey who has been charged with making terroristic threats because he coughed in the direction of a supermarket employee and then claimed he had the virus. Don't be a dumbass. I'm just gonna say it does. You can you can hate it. You can protest the coronavirus, whatever the hell that means. Just do it in the in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, if you want to lick you stuff wanna, in your house, fine. I'm gonna lick my garage door and tell that virus get the hell out, out, damn spot. Yeah. Our uh, three choices for tonight. You will be happy. Tombstone is currently leading. Our three choices for tonight's gas. Quarantine Theater, Tombstone, uh, Roadhouse, and John Wick. Go to Twitter, at Gary and Shannon. That's how you can vote. (laughs) Currently, Tombstone is winning with 46% of the vote. (laughs) One of my buddies just sent me a meme. He said, the eighth day of self-isolation, and it's like Vegas in my house. We're losing money by the minute. Cocktails are acceptable at any hour, and nobody knows what time it is. (laughs) (laughs) My wife keeps asking me every night. Hey, what's the date tomorrow? Yeah, I, I thought it was Tuesday. I have for the no first idea. 
for the first several hours of today. I don't remember anymore. Tomorrow, I know. Tomorrow yeah. was supposed to be opening day. Tomorrow's going to be like funeral dirge time. You know I what we just, should do? Let's bring wear in my jersey. Why don't you tomorrow? bring in your glove? I'll bring in my glove and we'll play catch. Okay. You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Good news. You right? bring the ball. Good news. Good news. Yeah. A team of infectious disease experts have calculated that the fatality rate. Wait for it. It, it's get, it gets better. The fatality rate of the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak, specifically in that area, they've calculated the fatality rate is about 1.4%, drastically lower than the earlier estimates of around 3%. That's actually really great news. That's great news. I got more of it. Uh, We'll go through later on. When we come back, though, another local restaurant that you might be able to help out. Help out all of the restaurants. But this one, based in the Santa Clarita Valley, Monica's Tacos and Catering. Listen, we're all going to get fat. You might as well help out everybody doing it. We'll stay on this side of diabetes, but we'll try to we'll push the we'll push the line. Yeah, damn right we will. You you gonna make it, Nick? You all right? How do you feel? Good. Okay. No, no, your face to me says coronavirus. On your way out, hit that uh, hit that hand sanitizer. Yeah, get some Purell up in there. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio <laughs> app. See, he does slam doors. He I didn't know. even think he, he did well, it. Well, his violence is... Bottom of the hour, we're expecting an update from Jeez. Los Angeles County. You could hear that in there, huh? <laughs> Hear, felt, smelt. <laughs> Uh, we're getting an update from L.A. County health officials starting at 1230. We will dip in and listen to uh, to what they have to say today and maybe get some clarification on what they announced yesterday was the death of a 17-year-old up in Lancaster uh, from coronavirus. But then they have changed that and said that coronavirus may have been present in the body, but that may not have been what killed him. See if they give us any updates. We are trying to highlight all the small businesses we can to get us through this tough time. Today, we are talking about Monica's Tacos and Catering. Rowan and Monica Gomez own Monica's Tacos and Catering. And actually, they were. Uh, they, we have had your food before. Yes, we, were, we did. We were at Nick's wedding a couple of weekends ago. We were at the last wedding held. The, the last one ever, it seems. Uh, so first of all, how how are you guys handling what's been going on for the last couple of weeks? Hey, Gary. Hey, Shannon. Uh, thanks for this opportunity. Well, you know what? We're, we are definitely hanging in there and trying to stay uh, ahead of the curve, if that's if that's possible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So are you uh, are you doing uh, meal plans or anything for people? Because I know you're you're a catering company. So what kind of how have you been able to adjust? Um, Hi, guys. It's Monica. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, We're actually going to start deliveries. And so we started to post like three options on our social media. So we're going to update stuff and just kind of keep an an outlook for like everyday um, restrictions. So, you know, that's kind of how we're handling this right now, you know, day by day. And just, um, you know, we're going to have like a family package and then we're going to have like a taco package um, with an order of like 25 tacos. um, And then um, our deliveries are free um, and it's exclusively for like our Santa Clarita community. I mean, we are open to go to like other cities, but the demand has to be there um, in order to make this work. And so we're all about giving back. And so one of the things that, you know, we highlighted was that, you know, the more sales, the more we're able to give 20% back um, 
to a family or to like a single mother that can buy groceries or just pay like a bill. And so that's what we're all about. And we're all about giving back. Now, where do people find the menus that you're going to be talking about for, uh, for deliveries and things? So what we're going to do, uh, Gary, is we're going to post up the menus on our Facebook account at Monica's Tacos, our Instagram, and, um, and our Yelp. We're actually going to upload uh, some of our menu options so people could see. We specialize in tacos, but uh, we will also do a custom-tailored menu for any family. If a family wants pasta or lasagna, we can adapt to that as well. I'm Here looking you. at your Instagram page here. It's Monica's Tacos, Monica with a K. Uh, and I'm getting very hungry. (laughs) 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 These look so good. Uh, Great. So Monica's Tacos with a K on Instagram or Facebook for those those menus. Hey, have you guys been able to talk with other uh, small businesses up specifically in the Santa Clarita Valley about uh, how everyone is doing up there? I mean, I know it's tough. It seems like it's going to be tough for everyone. Have you developed friendships that weren't there before or maybe partnerships that weren't there before? Yes, we definitely have. Um, we've spoken to the Wolf Creek Brewery out here in Santa Clarita, as long as the uh, as well as the egg plantation out in Newhall. And everybody's taking a hit, obviously, but everybody's staying positive and optimistic. And we're taking extreme measures to keep everybody safe uh, with our deliveries. Um, we, you know, the more we know about this virus, the better. So we're sanitizing and sterilizing all our equipment. We're putting on gloves and uh, face masks. But more importantly, Gary. Uh, we are fully insured, which is a key thing to know nowadays. If you're going to order from anybody, make sure they have the proper insurance, make sure they have the proper certifications. So we feel like that gives us uh, an edge on, on, on the competition, if so. All right. So starting uh, next week, taking orders for deliveries? Um, yes. Okay. So if if, um, if um, anyone wants to order something, uh, they can find our menus on Instagram, which is Monica's Tacos, and uh, Facebook as well. Um, so I put up there the phone number, which is 818-397-8181, to text in your order. Um, we are taking payments via Venmo. Um, at this time, we don't feel that it's safe to handle cash. Um, so with the technology today, there's so many people that have Venmo. Um, there's people that don't know that can put their credit card on Venmo, Um if they choose to uh, use a credit card, and that also minimizes fees, and it just helps out. It helps everyone help. Awesome. Monica and and Rowan, thank you for what you do, and uh, we're cheering for you. We're rooting for you. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. appreciate that. You guys stay safe, and uh, next time we meet, we're going to make sure you guys get extra meat in your tacos, okay? (laughs) Thank you. you. Hopefully it's it's not Nick's next wedding. I mean, there will be other weddings. She already left him? No, no, I just mean... Well, you know what I mean. So Monica's Tacos, uh, with a, Monica with a K, Monica's Tacos on Facebook and Instagram. They also put it up, will put it up on their Yelp account. Again, that's mostly in the Santa Clarita Valley, but if they have enough demand that they will be able to deliver elsewhere as well. And you say you guys have had those before. Yes. Oh, yes. Very good. Yes. Um, Sorry, Nick. It's just that ever since Blake left, I haven't had Blake to... You know, make fun of. And I can't make fun of Jacob because he's too sweet. He's too so, quiet at this point. Right. You know so little about him. You I, must have someone to make fun of. Yeah. Jacob hasn't been. Right. He hasn't shown his vulnerability around us. No, yet. not yet. No, we don't, don't, we don't know much so about nice. him. We'll I made have a to painting for you, Shane. Figure out his weak spots. I, I, I say, love my painting. Yeah, later this week, we'll have to do a full interview segment with Jacob. Oh, yeah. Is that okay, Jacob? Oh, that's fine. Okay, cool. I'll be ready Excellent point.
Excellent. Excellent. That'll be great. That's something to look forward to. He's very agreeable. That's a weakness. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, we're waiting for Los Angeles County officials to give their update on coronavirus, and we'll bring it to you live right here on Gary and Shannon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 7-6-2020. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. We're going to go live down to downtown Los Angeles, LA County Supervisor Catherine Barger at the podium today. 18,000 blankets and 98,000 towels. We're also working on plans to assign additional medical sheltering sites, providing transportation, food, laundry services, and security services. The goal is to secure 2,000 beds for quarantine isolation of individuals who have tested positive or who are suspected of being positive for COVID-19. The Department of Mental Health is staffing new shelters coming online in the city of Los Angeles and staff from our Housing for Health Division are helping medical sheltering come online. We are also working with our philanthropic partners and connecting the needs of county residents with the generosity and support of organizations such as the United Way of Greater Los Angeles and the California Community Foundation, which have come together to support individuals experiencing homelessness. The philanthropic effort focuses on supporting unsheltered residents, low-income individuals, students, and families at risk of homelessness or hardships. We will have LASA's Executive Director Heidi Marston speak more today about our outreach and care for people experiencing homelessness. In the meantime, I would like to invite Supervisor Hilda Solis, Chair Pro Tem, to say a few words. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you. I'm Supervisor Hilda Solis, Chair Pro Tem for the 1st District. I want to thank Chairwoman Catherine Barger and the entire County Board of Supervisors and all of our county departments for working tirelessly with many of our partners to provide guidance for our homeless services providers and the many people that they serve, people experiencing homelessness. Our homeless service providers and outreach teams are considered essential workers during the COVID-19 health emergency, and they continue carrying out important work to help 
the most vulnerable individuals. Information about practicing, social distancing, hand washing, and good hygiene has been shared with individuals and families in our interim housing facilities. Our homeless outreach teams, which include LASA, DHS, DMH, and the sheriff's host teams, are also connecting every day with unsheltered individuals to offer shelter and services, especially to the most at risk, those that are 55 or older or who have an underlying medical condition. I want to talk briefly about our probation camps. I want to assure you that we're also working to ensure the health and safety of our youth in the juvenile halls and probation camps. And that's why I'll be introducing a motion to reduce any crowding in our juvenile facilities, as well as seeking to increase access to social distancing and increase hygiene practices as recommended by our public health experts. I recently spoke to our interim probation chief, Ray Leva, and he assures me that they're moving in the direction to practice social distancing, regular hand washing, and good hygiene. During the duration of our Safer at Home order, we're working to keep all of our youth safe, healthy, wherever they are, and to continue to create an environment where learning and education can take place during these times. Also, the county continues working with the city of LA, the state, the private partners to assess properties throughout the county that could serve as interim shelter. This is a high priority, as you know, for LA County. This is a different objective than identifying quarantine and isolation sites for confirmed COVID-19 cases or people who have had contact with a confirmed COVID-19 patient. Expanding shelter countywide is the goal of the county and has already been working toward before the COVID-19 crisis, but now more than ever, we have an expedited timeline. As we work to stand up new interim housing for people experiencing homelessness, we also need donations, as was stated by our chairwoman. Some urgent items that are needed, clothes, towels, blankets, food, and water. Additionally, the United Way of Greater LA has set up a pandemic relief fund to help get additional resources and support for LA County's unsheltered residents. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit unitedwayla.org. And for more information about help that you might need, call 211. Want to talk about food security. During this time, it's critical to inform those who may be faced with food insecurity that it's easy to apply for CalFresh benefits. The CalFresh program helps individuals and families afford nutritious food, including fruits and vegetables and other healthy options. CalFresh food benefits are provided on an electronic benefits transfer EBT debit card and can be used at any grocery store and farmer's market that accepts EBT cards. Also, individuals receiving CalFresh benefits who are homeless have a disability or are age 60 or older can use the EBT card to purchase prepared meals from participating restaurants through the CalFresh Restaurant Meals Program. Applying for CalFresh is easy. You can do it online or by phone. For more information, call 866-613-3777 or go online www.getcalfresh.org. Finally, I want to thank Governor Gavin Newsom for his continued support as the county tackles this health emergency. Governor Newsom has approved allocating more than $42 million for the LA region in emergency homeless housing assistance and prevention. This includes $10.6 million for Los Angeles County. 
This funding will provide essential support for L.A. County, the City of L.A., the City of Long Beach, and continuums of care to provide important care, shelter, housing for our homeless population during and beyond this crisis. Thank you. With that, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Director of Public Health. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much, Supervisor Solis and Supervisor Barger, for your uh, just uh, outstanding leadership during these very, very difficult times. Uh, I feel like our county is in the best hands possible uh, because we have an amazing uh, board uh, and your leadership during this. Uh, really what is a, a long-standing crisis has been uh, absolutely essential to us being able to, to have a path forward that allows us to implement appropriate strategies. I also want to thank all of the leadership uh, throughout the county uh, and the cities uh, who have been remarkable examples of collaboration and cooperation during this time. This is actually uh, what's absolutely necessary uh, for us to be able to provide appropriate services to the more than 10 million people that call LA County their homes. I want to update you on our current status uh, and once again I'm very saddened to have to report today three additional deaths. Uh, all three individuals were over the age of 65 and had underlying health conditions. Uh, this brings the number of deaths to 13 uh, in LA County. I want to note that we're no longer including in this count the death of the young person we reported yesterday because we have asked CDC to complete an investigation uh, on that uh, case. Uh, the family and the friends who are mourning these losses, you're very much in our thoughts and prayers, and we are so very sorry uh, for your loss. Today we're also reporting 138 new cases. Uh, over the last 48 hours, uh, there have been 266 new cases, which brings the total of new cases in L.A. County to 799 cases. Uh, this includes 28 cases that are reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and seven cases reported by the city of Pasadena. Fully 80% of all positive cases in L.A. County are happening amongst people between the ages of 18 and 65, uh, with 40% uh, occurring in young people or younger people between the ages of 18 and 40. 160 people who have tested positive have at some point in time been hospitalized, and this amounts to 20% of all of our positive cases. 1% of people in LA County who have been diagnosed as positive with COVID-19 uh, have in fact passed away. And in the United States, the mortality rate is at about 1.5%. I want to note that this is a higher rate than what we experience annually uh, for influenza. 44 people are currently hospitalized, and 77% of these people are in the ICU. I'm noting these numbers to just uh, uh, make sure everyone understands that the people who are hospitalized are often very sick, and they need to use intensive services in our hospitals. Of those who are currently hospitalized, four are in their 30s and 26 are 60 or older. 60% of the patients in the ICU are older than 60. As always, confirmed cases are being isolated and close contacts are quarantined. And as a reminder, we post detailed information about the cases on our website, 
publichealth.lacounty.gov. Uh, we're currently investigating 12 different uh, institutional settings that have potential outbreaks. All of these settings have at least one case of a person testing positive for COVID-19. Our teams are there to ensure that appropriate infection control measures are adhered to and that where appropriate uh, quarantine orders are issued for both residents of the facilities and or staff. Uh, we'll be updating on a regular basis case reports on these settings and where there's information that indicates that there are three or more positive cases at an institutional setting that we're investigating, we will include that information on our website. Uh, I want people to know that we can continue to provide uh, essential technical assistance to institutional settings, uh, and this includes uh, long-term care facilities and nursing homes. Uh, we already uh, did a round where we provided technical assistance to all 320 uh, shelters and interim housing facilities. Uh, we recently did about 315 uh, nursing homes, skilled nursing homes, and long-term care facilities. And yesterday we, had not, we trained 900 people uh, who are managers and staff at congregate living facilities on infection control protocols and practices at their sites. Um, as of yesterday, uh, over 6,300 people have been tested in LA County and 11% of those tested were positive. Uh, while we're not seeing the same rate of acceleration in cases as New York City, this does not mean that we won't see many more cases and that we won't in fact experience an acceleration once testing capacity increases. I wanna really thank Dr. Kazan. He's making amazing strides in improving our capacity to test. But I also wanna remind all of us that testing remains limited. And uh, increasing our capacity to test means not only that we need to have enough testing available, but we need to be able to get those results in a timely way. And we still remain limited in both ways. Uh, so we're continuing to ask that testing uh, be prioritized for people who are symptomatic and for whom a clinical provider has determined that testing is appropriate. Uh, as a reminder, in these times where that are less than ideal, uh, we don't have all the testing we wish we had. Um, and in fact, uh, we're working hard to make sure that our healthcare workers have all of the equipment that they need uh, to be able to practice uh, life-saving medicine in all of the places uh, where they're practicing, uh, we all need to do our part as well. Uh, social distancing remains a critically important strategy for slowing down the spread of, uh, of COVID-19. The other strategy that's really important for us to uh, adhere to are isolation and quarantine orders. And I wanna announce that today, the LA County Health Officer will be issuing a public order that requires the self-isolation of any person who's tested positive for COVID-19 or is presumed uh, by their physician or clinician to be positive for COVID-19 and also orders the quarantine for all close contacts. That includes household members and caregivers. So if you've been tested for COVID-19 and you're waiting for your test results, or you've been told by a provider that you should presume that you're positive for COVID-19, 
we ask that you follow the directives to self-isolate. This means staying at home for at least seven days and until you're fever and symptom-free for 72 hours. Do not leave your home. Please do not leave your home unless it's for a medical appointment. We ask that you notify all of your close contacts that you have COVID-19 or are likely to have COVID-19 so that your close contacts can in, in fact begin their quarantine. And as a reminder, close contacts include intimate partners, caregivers, people who live in your home, or people with whom you spend a significant amount of time each day face-to-face -face with less than six feet apart. Um, as much as possible, we ask while you are self-isolating, you stay away from other people in your home and you use your own bathroom. The public order uh, also uh, requires that folks who are close contacts quarantine themselves. And a quarantine means something similar, but for a longer period of time. So while people who are ill with, and have a positive diagnosis for COVID-19 or are presumed to be positive for COVID-19 need to remain home for at least seven days and three additional days uh, that they're symptom-free. Uh, that means no fever, uh, no using fever-reducing medication to count as no fever. For people who are quarantined, it's a 14-day quarantine. You must stay home isolated from others for a 14-day period. That's the incubation period for COVID-19. Even if you were to get tested during that period and your test is negative, you still have to stay home the entire 14-day period. It's really important that people understand 14 days is what's required because it can take up to 14 days for you to develop any symptoms of COVID-19 from your exposure. If you develop symptoms, you immediately move into needing now to be isolated and you have an additional seven days that you must stay isolated uh, and that includes you must be three days uh, free from fever and symptoms before you can in fact leave your household. I'm, I'm trying to give uh, as much advice as I can on this and what it means to quarantine and isolate because even if you're not positive now and you have no close contact with people who are positive, we're asking every single resident in LA County to be prepared to isolate and or to quarantine. And that means have your plans in place because when you're quarantined or isolated, you cannot go to the grocery store. You cannot go to the pharmacy. And we ask that you have plans in place that you ask for help if you need help from others and your, your friends, your neighbors, your family to make sure that you can get your necessities so that you in fact are able to stay home isolated and or quarantined. Uh, please feel free to call. We're going to break away from this. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom is making an announcement. Let me just acknowledge. Might as well take yeah, that sure. as well. Jump Why right not? into that. Progress. Uh, and that progress is manifest. The state of California, uh, by our back of the envelope estimate, as we process more of the details of the stimulus bill, will be the beneficiary of over $10 billion just in the state block grant portion uh, of the package. Some $5.5 billion alone will go to the state itself. Uh, the rest will go to our cities and counties. That does not include all of the other specific, uh, very direct 
support uh, that is also part of the stimulus bill. Uh, this bill will be very helpful and is very timely as we're in the process of distributing billions and billions of dollars of cash to procure uh, PPE, to procure locations and sites, to secure uh, the safety, the public health and safety of the people of the state of California. So on behalf of the nation's largest state, uh, as governor of the world's fifth largest economy, the state of California, uh, let me applaud the speaker, applaud Senator Schumer, applaud the Democratic leadership and the compromise that was advanced with Republicans uh, for meeting this moment, noting that this moment in a week or two uh, may necessitate further moments of support, particularly to individuals, not just states, not just to businesses, not just to industries, but to individuals themselves that have been most impacted uh, by this virus. And let me be specific about what I mean by that. Uh, we're very pleased with the increase in unemployment benefits, up to $600 on top of what states are already providing. In the state of California, uh, we provide on a weekly basis unemployment insurance grants from anywhere from $40 to as much as $450. And this package would provide for an additional $600 on top of that. So for over $1,000 a week uh, for many Californians. And by the way, the reason I say it's timely, we just passed the 1 million mark in terms of the number of claims just since March 13th. 1 million Californians have now claimed the need to get unemployment insurance. So this cannot happen soon enough. But the magnitude of what happened in 2008 is still manifest for millions of Californians. We still have people that are struggling to get back to where they were before the Great Recession that most recently was defined by Lehman Day, September 15th, 2008, which marked an important moment. People are older and still struggling. And so these are individuals that once again are disproportionately being impacted uh, by this moment. And that's why I say we need to focus on those faces, on their stories, not just the face of government, not just the face of business, but on the faces of individuals day in and day out that are struggling to make ends meet, struggling to feed their family, to feed themselves, to get to the needs of their small businesses. Small businesses need more support. Small business is not something for me that's an abstract. I am proud to have created 23 small businesses in the state of California and employed hundreds and hundreds of workers. I have deep appreciation and respect for the entrepreneurs throughout this country and certainly in the state of California. And I can assure you, even with the significant improvements uh, advanced by leadership of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, we still need to do more for small business, for nonprofits uh, and others. So again, I want to just compliment uh, the work that was done. Uh, we are very supportive here in the state of California of advancing uh, this bill and having that stimulus uh, do the work that we are all hopeful it will do in real time. Uh, we've had wonderful conversations, by the way, to that end. Just got off the phone with Senator Harris, who's been an extraordinary leader for our state, uh, working uh, hand in hand with our partners uh, throughout state agencies, local agencies and nonprofits to work to delineate exactly what we needed to prioritize. Senator Feinstein accordingly, and I can't say it enough, the incredible leadership of Speaker Nancy Pelosi. 
But when we talk about unemployment insurance, we talk about a $600 increase uh, beyond what states are already providing on a weekly basis for the next four months. Uh, that doesn't mean much when you are facing the burden uh, and the costs associated with, for example, your mortgage. Uh, residential mortgages being top of mind, I imagine, for families all across not only this state but across the country. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've been sitting down with banks large and small, credit unions large and small throughout the state of California, and been in contact with national bank and CEOs uh, around the United States. I personally have had conversations with the heads of J.P. Morgan, the head of U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, a number of other of our nation's largest institutions and state banks like East West Bank here in the state of California. Some 200 state chartered banks and credit unions have committed to the state of California uh, that they will provide forbearance, forbearance on foreclosures and on mortgage payments. That is significant. But the nation's bank, so we were encouraged to do the same. Uh, and I'm very pleased uh, that Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, uh, Citi, and J.P. Morgan Chase uh, have all agreed to 90-day uh, waiver of payments for those that have been impacted by COVID-19. And that's an important point to make. Uh, it is significant. Uh, that we have some consistency. It's significant that we don't have a patchwork one bank to another. That's what happened in 2008. Credit unions doing one thing, banks doing another, state banks doing something altogether different. So we wanted to engage our nation's largest banks uh, and see if we could create some continuity, some consistency across their ranks. And four of the five largest institutions committed to just that, that 90-day. Unfortunately, Bank of America did not publicly commit to that. They just committed to 30 days. I hope they will reconsider and join uh, those other banks uh, that are willing to do the right thing by at least extending that commitment uh, to their customers uh, for 90 days. While the state of California doesn't have regulatory oversight of those banks, I'm sensitive uh, to that, and I know that the banks certainly are sensitive to that. Uh, they are also recognizing the sensitivity to their customers, uh, not just on the issue of being able to pay their mortgages and having a grace period for 90 days, but also on credit ratings. And that's also part of the broader uh, commitment that we uh, have secured uh, by those nations for those five largest our nations banks and all of the state charter banks and credit unions counting 200 plus. And so I, I want to just compliment them uh, for their willingness to engage us and our team, Ben Chita, uh, Commissioner Alvarez and others that have been working overtime uh, to organize these principles and advance them. We're working on additional issues and get continuity and consistency on ATM fees, on overdraft charges as well. Uh, and we'll be announcing more details on that in the coming days. I also, though, recognize uh, while significant to have that continuity uh, as it relates to residential mortgages, uh, as a small business person, uh, you're wondering as a nonprofit leader, as a church leader, you're wondering uh, what's in store in terms of next announcements, next steps for you. And know in real time, we are also working with those same institutions to socialize some continuity uh, and some consistency uh, to help you as well. So no, the job is not done. We're not naive, uh, but we think this is a significant announcement. It's not just a release. 
uh, it is a significant uh, a framework uh, to advance commitments uh, that we uh, have absolute certainty are real based upon personal commitments that I received directly uh, from the leaders of these companies, again, uh, with the exception, unfortunately, of uh, the Bank of America. I also want to just make uh, a few comments about the work the state of California is doing uh, to meet this moment as it relates to the needs for uh, personal protective gear, as it relates to anticipating our surge capacity. I made an announcement a couple days ago uh, that we're looking to additional 50,000 uh, hotels, or rather uh, units, for support from hotels, motels, skilled nursing facility, uh, and uh, our hospitals to find additional bed capacity uh, for acute care throughout the state of California. In terms of that 50,000 number, 30,000 uh, was going to come from an increase of capacity within our hospital system, roughly 40% increase in their capacity and their footprint, uh, and the rest would come 20,000 from the state of California. I'm pleased today that Seton Hospital was one of those early announcements we made. We were able to get a lease on Seton, and Seton now is already operational today. That's a significant milestone. Uh, we're not just having conversations in the abstract about finding and procuring assets, but the human resources necessary to operate those assets. And that is the significance of Seton today. Uh, it is being now staffed by the extraordinary heroes, our nurses and doctors, uh, and we have at least the first tranche of appropriate personal protective gear uh, that is available at that site. Uh, St. Vincent down in L.A. was another one of our announcements, and we're working to do the same there. And, of course, the number of other hospitals uh, that we have also identified and are in the process either of having already taken the physical asset over and in the process of securing the staffing, but also advanced conversation on a number of other hospitals, including CPMC in San Francisco, uh, to provide for more surge capacity. Uh, three sites already, Santa Clara, Riverside, and San Mateo, uh, where we're working either on the fair uh, grounds or working in the convention centers uh, to begin the process of converting uh, those larger field, uh, field medical stations that the president uh, was generously able uh, to procure and provide. Remember, eight of those are coming to the state of California. That's 2,000 additional medical beds. Those sites are already unpacking are in the process of being made operational. I mentioned yesterday, uh, I was very proud, and they're right behind me uh, here at our State Emergency Operations Center. We have the leadership of the USS Mercy uh, that are here, and we're working out the details and protocols with LA County, LA City, and LA Port uh, on making sure uh, that site is prepared and prepped for Friday's uh, arrival of that ship and Saturday, Sunday, as we begin to process uh, the possibility uh, of first individuals to come on board. The configuration, I know there's been a lot of reporting, up to 1,000 beds. A lot of those are bunk beds, may not be ideal. So the number will come down substantially from 1,000. It's still a work in progress, and quite literally, that's the progress that's being made in real time uh, here in our operations center. So we'll announce more on that in the coming days. I want folks to know that we have already distributed 24 0.2 uh, million N95 masks in the state of California. Uh, that is a significant number. It's still insignificant to meet our needs. Uh, I was very pleased today uh, in our last briefing. Uh, we have now secured literally 
100 million new N95 masks, which is not insignificant, but again, still requires us to secure and support additional procurement efforts. But that's good news. And for those healthcare leaders that are demanding more and deserve more, I want them to know uh, when those get off uh, the docks, when they get through the airport and customs, we're going to get them out as quickly as we humanly possibly well, can. Good news there uh, from Governor Gavin Newsom, the latest on uh, how things are going at the state level. And he was uh, wanted to start his remarks by talking about the Senate stimulus plan that appears to uh, to be headed towards passage. We're going to dip back into Los Angeles County. They're taking questions from reporters now, but we'll pay attention to what the governor's been saying. You're listening to KFI and KOST HD2 Los Angeles. Now, back down to downtown Los Angeles, the L.A. County update. More on why the teenage death may be related to COVID-19 is complicated. Sure. One moment, Dr. Ferrer will come up. Yeah, thanks so much for that question. Um, uh, on on a further investigation of the death of a young person under the age of 18 that we announced yesterday, uh, there were extenuating circumstances that pointed to uh, an alternative diagnosis as well. So given that there is a possibility of two diagnoses as causing the death, we've asked the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta to perform some additional testing so that we can, with all certainty, a note what the cause of death was. And we appreciate, um, you know, the public's patience. Uh, again, our, uh, our heartfelt prayers for, for the family as they too await further clarification on the actual cause of death. Thank you, next question. And that'll come from the line with Dave Lopez with KTBS. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, doctor, uh, two, two quick questions if I may. Uh, the numbers in New York, and I hate to keep bringing that up, but, but I guess that's a very critical barometer. 5,100 uh, new cases in one day, 75 more deaths. Uh, should we expect that to happen in Los Angeles? And if it doesn't happen, say, in the next week, uh, is it a sign that we are doing everything uh, humanly possible to stop this, uh, this surge? Um, you know, I, I wish I could say with all certainty that's where we're going, and more likely I would love to be able to say with all certainty that's where we're not going, and I can say neither. What I do say is that New York and Italy are examples where there were both very rapid accelerations in the number of new cases, and we would be foolish to not prepare for a similar scenario here in L.A. County. So what we need to do now is do everything we can to slow the spread while preparing for the fact that there may in fact be a similar acceleration of cases uh, here in the county. I mean, obviously, we've gotten a, a dramatic increase in the number of cases as we've done more lab testing. If you look at uh, the number of people that are tested in New York City, you'll see that they're testing lots more people than we're testing here. So we do need to be prepared as we test more people to see a rapid acceleration. We're going to do everything we can with all of you helping us to try to prevent that rapid acceleration, but we're certainly going to be prepared. Uh, Dr. Galley's leadership has been instrumental in making sure that our healthcare system can, in fact, uh, be able to cope and manage uh, with what we call surge capacity. But thank you. And just one more quick point. The mayor on Monday said that we are entering a very critical week this week. Uh, 
can you go into more detail than that? Uh, is, is there something, uh, is there some numbers that you're trying to uh, not hit uh, to make that possible? Um, well, you know, I, again, I, you know, every person that dies, uh, every serious uh, illness that this causes is heartbreaking. Uh, you know, these, the, we talk about numbers, but these aren't numbers. These are people's lives. Um, so I think, uh, I can't speak for the mayor, but I think the sentiment is one that we all share, all of the leaders uh, in the county, all of the elected officials, everyone that's working so hard right now, uh, is to please, please understand that as soon as we know there are more positive cases, that means it's much more likely that it's easier to spread this infection. Obviously, if you have more people who are infected, then you can have those people infecting more people. And if you think about every person can infect two to three people, you understand why as soon as we hit 800 people who are infected, if we're not being particularly diligent, those 800 people will infect thousands and can infect thousands and thousands of more people uh, as you start doing the math. So I think uh, what's critical now is to understand we have a lot of people infected here in the county. Uh, we have people that we know are infected and we have a lot of people we don't know that are infected. And that means everyone has the potential for either becoming infected or infecting others. And if we all walk through our days with that mindset, I think we'll be able to take the steps that we can to prevent, uh, to slow down uh, the spread. And our next question here will come from the line of Steve Gregory with KFI. Please go ahead. Hi, Barbara. Good afternoon. Um, a couple of quick ones. Um, the regarding the teen and, and you'll agree that this is a, a lot of people very shaken up uh, because of this is presumably a, a healthy teenager um, do you have any uh, suggestion or any uh, evidence that if the teen had been tested earlier because if I understand correctly the COVID-19 had been diagnosed post-mortem and I'm wondering if uh, if the teen had been tested positive earlier would the treatment have been different and would the, uh, the, the success rate of, of recovery been better? Um, also, I wanted to know uh, in, in this misinformation campaign, a lot's being said about ibuprofen versus Tylenol. And I'm wondering if you might have a recommendation in that area. Um, so let me, let me start with the first. So I'm not going to give any information about this particular case. Uh, that would be a HIPAA violation. But what I can say is in general terms, that oftentimes what happens is there could be one diagnosis that's made when someone presents at the hospital and that a patient in fact is treated for one diagnosis and is treated appropriately. And since this is a new virus, the idea that this virus can also infect a person who has another diagnosis is something we're starting to learn about and, uh, and that could be a possibility in any case. Um, as somebody uh, passes away, there could have been an identified uh, case uh, cause for an illness, and then upon further inquiry, we would look to see if COVID-19 was also implicated. But I'm not going to get into the specifics about what happened with this with this uh, with this young with this young person. And uh, I just want to respect both the person's privacy and the family's privacy. So I can't comment on the specific case. And I'm going to have uh, Dr. Galley just talk about sort of, uh, you know, Tylenol uh, versus ibuprofen. I mean, one thing for sure we know, uh, please no aspirin uh, to reduce fever, but I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't heard any debate about sort of Tylenol versus ibuprofen. So I'll let Dr. Galley see what she's heard on the clinical side. 
Uh, hi, uh, I, I, I think that both medications are suitable, though obviously people's underlying clinical conditions can de make a determination that one would be more appropriate than the other. So in the absence of, of, of uh, better information at this point about the virus and how it is definitively best treated, it would be best to make all decisions regarding pharmaceuticals and medications that someone is taking if they feel ill uh, in consultation with their personal provider. Next question. And that'll come from Claudia Prasupta with KNX. Please go ahead. Hey, Claudia. Hi. So I'm, hi, good afternoon. I'm wondering if uh, Mayor Garcetti is right that we're six to 12 days behind New York. Um, given the efforts that are underway to prepare for a surge, where do you expect that we'll be a, a week from now in terms of ICU beds? ventilators. I know ventilators have been ordered. I know the naval ship is coming. So do you have an estimate on where we'll be on in that? So Dr. Galley is here to answer that question for you. Thank you. Hi. So uh, we're working on two things that speak to your question. One is we are working closely with the state and other academic institutions to put together a demand model for projections of bed need and ICU utilization, including ventilator needs for that is specific to Los Angeles County as well as particular regions within the county. Uh, that remains a work in progress, but that data and information to the extent it can yield uh, projections uh, far enough out in the future will be instrumental in helping us to align the capacity with the demand. Uh, simultaneously, we are ramping up the capacity. We know, as Dr. Ferrer referenced previously, that things can change very quickly. We've seen the cases in Italy, in Spain, in New York rise along a very rapid timeline. And while we know that we need to work on the projections, we also know that we need to not be foolish and we need to have that capacity ready to go if the cases start to spike. Uh, all hospitals have reduced their census through a variety of channels. Typically, hospitals can reduce their inpatient census by 15, 20% through things like canceling elective, elective surgeries and admissions. The Department of Health Services, our hospitals, ha are operating at 65% capacity right now because of those steps, as well as the reduction in ED visits that we've also simultaneously seen. And that trend, I, I believe, is true for a variety of reasons. At the same time, in addition to freeing up beds that would normally be occupied by non-COVID patients, hospitals have the ability according to their disaster plans to surge on-site acute care capacity including ICU beds uh, anywhere from 20 to 40 percent. The ability of individual hospitals to do this greatly varies by hospital. Uh, we are working through the EMS agency in partnership with private hospitals across the county to help support them in implementing their surge plans. Hospitals can do this by doubling up single rooms, putting in a single room, putting or in a double room, putting three patients in a room. They can use uh, post-acute care units, emergency departments, operating rooms, pre-op areas that are used to having critically ill patients in them and they can use those for acute care bed capacity. We are also looking at bringing on uh, de-licensed beds back online 
the California Department of Public Health has offered substantial regulatory flexibility in helping hospitals do so. This allows us to put in more acute beds, whether it's medical, surgical, or ICU level of care, into these previously delicensed areas. It also allows us to put online lower level of care beds for patients that cannot yet go home but no longer require acute care. Uh, and that facilitates moving the patients out of the, the regular units of the hospital into these new areas and making sure that the acute care bed capacity is reserved for patients who are truly acute. Um, I've also, you, you mentioned the Mercy Ship, that will bring on uh, an additional 1,000 beds, 620 of those are lower level of care, 380 of those are acute care, of those 380, uh, uh, 80 of those are ICU level of care. We're also looking at a number of additional federal and state uh, options for increasing acute care bed capacity and working in partnership with a number of institutions. The governor has also recently announced that it has executed a lease for St. Vincent's Medical Center and the county is working in partnership with the state as well as other private partners on a plan to be able to reopen that facility to provide acu acute care capacity. That particular hospital has a capacity of 380 beds. Uh, there's a number of different hospitals that we're looking to bring back online and other possibilities for doing mobile medical units that can be put in place in a variety of locations. Obviously all these beds uh, require supplies and they require staffing. So uh, I've mentioned today and we'll put the data online as soon as possible, there are a little over 800 ventilators that are currently available. EMS agency is working with FEMA as well as others to secure additional ventilators. We have uh, a couple of hundred additional ventilators either delivered or on delivery with a delivery date anticipated soon and we'll continue to increase those numbers as well as the other supplies and equipment that are needed to properly care for acute level patients. You're listening to an update from Los Angeles County officials down at uh, downtown Los Angeles. I guess for the last That'll question come here. That'll from Carlos Grandy with Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Please go ahead. Hey, Carlos. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? Uh, for this for Dr. Ferreira. She mentioned that you're investigating 12 settings of possible outbreaks. Can you explain what are those settings and where are they in the county? Sure. Um, I, don't, I don't have the detailed information on uh, where exactly they're in the county. Uh, but we're, they're all over the county. So let me just say they are distributed entire county. Um, these are primarily uh, nursing home settings, but there's also at least uh, one residential care facility and one group home. So uh, I call, you know, an institutional setting is a place where there are a large number of people receiving uh, care and services. Um, that could include, for example, a jail for us would be an institutional setting, uh, as would be a shelter. Uh, none of those uh, are on our list of places where we're currently investigating uh, any kind of outbreak situation, but we do have primarily nursing homes where there's been at least one person. Uh, oftentimes it is in fact an employee at a site that has tested positive. Uh, we're doing a full investigation and that includes uh, really quarantining most of the people at that facility, isolating, and uh, this is a situation where uh, we look very quickly for symptoms and we try to do rapid testing. I will say our lab retains capacity for all institutional investigations. 
to be able to provide a rapid turnaround on testing. We, we can't be waiting six days uh, for a test result when we have an institutional outbreak, and we don't. We actually process those and retain capacity at, at the public health lab to make sure we can turn this around quickly. Uh, the, all, of the, um, all of the places where we're doing an investigation know that should there be three or more positive cases, we would actually be identifying those locations. Now, Supervisor Hilda Solis is going to give. Um, well, that's, they're going to transition to Spanish now. Catherine Barger, the uh, chair of the County Board of Supervisors, wrapping up the uh, English portion of that. The takeaways, perhaps, today from the county update three additional deaths, uh, all of them over the age of 65, all of them with underlying health conditions. So that brings the total now in Los Angeles County to 13 deaths. Barbara Ferrer. The public health director mentioned that that 17-year-old that she referred to yesterday, at the time it was just someone under the age of 18, that they're no longer counting that death in the L.A. County total for a couple of reasons, that even if the person did test positive for uh, for COVID-19 post-mortem. It may not have been what killed him. Right. And, and it's important. Now, why did they rush then to tell us that before they had all the information? I don't know other it's than to like, say that it was just that that came up in testing and they automatically assumed. But she did refer to what they what she said was ext- were extent extenuating circumstances that led them to pull back from that. Ask the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to take a look at the file as well so that perhaps other doctors basically a second opinion on a cause of death. The governor held a dueling press conference where he announced that several major banks and financial institutions have agreed to delay foreclosures and provide mortgage relief to homeowners who are struggling to make those monthly payments. More than one million Californians, he said, have applied for unemployment benefits this month due to layoffs or reduced hours. So eligible homeowners would be able to defer mortgage payments for at least three months and maybe longer if you can prove hardship due to this. And then any late payments, they say, would not be reported to credit agencies. Fridays, usually we do get some unemployment numbers from state level uh, agencies and just in terms of the number of people who have been filing for unemployment benefits. But Next Friday, that first Friday of the month, the first Friday in April, is going to be quite telling when it comes to just getting an idea of the economic impact of what's been going on with all of this. Um, 138 new cases in Los Angeles County brings us to just under 800. In fact, it's 799. And keeping in mind that they've run, at least according to the county, they've run 6,300 tests so far. That does not include the private labs. At least that's the numbers that they've been giving. And still, still, if you meet the criteria for testing, you show symptoms, you've been exposed, you've been traveling, those, even all of those things, we're still looking at just 11% positive, rating, uh, positive test results that are coming back for coronavirus. And then of those 11% who have been tested, 11% test positive, of those 20%-ish, I mean, I think she said 19%, uh, but but 20% is basically the number that requires some amount of hospitalization. And of those positive cases, we're still only looking at the 1% or less that end up dying from this. The numbers are still, in terms of the deaths and the hospitalizations, are still very small.
They like to highlight that the biggest percentage of positive tests is in that. Uh, Eight, yeah, 18 to 65. 18 or... to 65. And as you mentioned during the press conference, well, that is the bulk of our population in L.A. County. I'm looking at the census information from 2010. And yeah, it's like 52 percent of the population of L.A. County is that demo. Yeah. So it makes sense that that demo would be hit the hardest. It's represented Accurately. I right. mean, it's not it's not it's not like, oh, it's a young people's disease or, or virus or whatever. It is more dangerous for people over the age of 65. But right. I don't think anybody's ever said you can't get it. Exactly. If, everybody can get it. And they're there. Her point being, you know, that the 799 cases, a lot of them are in those uh, ages below 65. It's above 65 where, you know, you start getting up into age and the threat becomes much more real and much more realistic. Uh, the one doctor that we didn't get to that that I was paying attention to while the governor was speaking was uh, saying that there at this point no reports, no positive results from any L.A. County jail inmates, which is important and specific. And that means that they're safer there than the idea that's being tossed around of letting everybody out. I mean, not everybody, but you know what I mean. Yeah, reducing Many, the population just yeah. in order to to protect the people that are left inside. Uh, it's I'm wondering about the people who are not able to, uh, you know, law enforcement and the people that are not being put away that need to be put away. You mean the current criminals? Yeah. People who are doing things now. Right. Well, we we sort of anecdotally said yesterday there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of law enforcement out on the streets. Now they're busy. I'm not saying they're they're not doing their job or anything like that. But in terms of driving into work every day. Even though there are much fewer cars on the road, many fewer cars, much less traffic. How about that? There's people, much less oh, traffic. A but. note about that. I had so many people ride in my tail this morning, and I was doing 75. Okay, you know what I mean when I say that. Don't just, make it weird. I just feel like people yesterday driving home. Um, there were people doing 90 on, yeah. on I-5 in the middle of the day. And also, if you want to do 90, go around me. All right? Just go around. Did you did you at least roll your hand on the window and wave them by? No, because people are crazy, so I try not to uh, engage on the freeway. You don't know who has a gun in there, no especially eye, in these days. No eye contact, that's for sure. Right. Uh, all right, so the again, L.A. County saying that they have three additional deaths, all of those three, 65 and older, all of them with underlying health conditions, uh, which brings us to a total of 13 deaths in Los Angeles County because they are not counting, at least not yet, that teenager, they said, from Lancaster who died uh, because there were extenuating circumstances that may have been an, a different cause of death. Yes, according to uh, according to the doctor from yesterday, he did test positive for coronavirus, but there were reports last night that the test wasn't actually done until after he passed away. So he may have had coronavirus, but they're not being clear about whether or not that was the actual cause of death. There's an entire senior home in New Jersey where they say everyone has coronavirus. Ninety four people. How do you treat night? How do you do? What do you do? Do you send them all to hospitals? No, you keep them there, I would say, and treat them there. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a freaking doctor. Uh, do you hear about Joe Biden? He went on ABC News today and called for an end to the debates. He was like, oh, my full focus is on the crisis right now. Uh, I think we've had enough of those debates. I think we should just get on with this. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's there's still a presidential race going on. I know. Exactly. It's like 
Do you remember when that was a topic of our conversation? Biden and Sanders and delegates and all of that. I mean, everything seems to have just been cleared off the table. You know what we should do as uh, something that is not coronavirus related. Well, I do have. I, let me. Can I do a couple of good news? I mean, I just stories? got into reading the comments on Twitter about the Randy Moss versus Jerry Rice debate. Like, I'm hungry for something that's not coronavirus. <laughs> Anything other than this? Well, let me do some good news that is coronavirus related. We may change the, the change the station. That's not the word. We may change the topic when we come back. Yes. We can't change the station, can we? Uh, how about this one? We've heard that in Van Nuys, the uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, brewery there, and all kinds of other distilleries and breweries around the country are making their own hand sanitizers and giving it away for free. Yep. Um, and this, hopefully there's a point, whatever that is, 12 months, 18 months, two years down the road, where we start to sell coronavirus memorabilia. A Tito's bottle of hand sanitizer yes. will be a nice, fun thing to have, won't it? Or if Corona starts, can you imagine if the, the, the brewery that makes Corona started doing its own hand sanitizer? That would be a little ironic. You know, I'm not the PC police, but, but you know, I'm backing off the idea of something being fun that's going to wipe out a bunch of people. Here's another one. Here's another good news story. A Johns Hopkins researcher has claimed that antibodies from recovered coronavirus patients could help protect people at risk. I saw this before. A treatment that can be made readily available under urgent circumstances. A team from Johns Hopkins, alongside several other researchers, are studying whether or not the antibodies of those recovered from the coronavirus could help protect at-risk humans from the virus. One of the things that they've been saying, a Japanese pharmaceutical company has been looking at this as well, is using the plasma from people who have recovered and injecting plasma into people who are currently suffering from coronavirus to help their symptoms. Did you hear about the uh, Fox iHeart Living Room concert for America? No. Well, I'll tell you about it. When we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. All you have to do is wait a second. Your hands on my so old. Gross. I was being funny. Got it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, the update you just heard from Los Angeles County, three additional deaths from coronavirus, uh, all of them over the age of 65 with underlying health conditions. So as of right now, 13 deaths in Los Angeles County, but they're not counting the person who died in Lancaster, the teenager who died in Lancaster, because there were some other extenuating circumstances. So they're not issuing a cause of death just yet. I can't wait for the sweet relief of another another episode of The Tiger King. <laughs> that will be... Uh, I haven't started it, but tonight... Oh, that reminds me. Tonight is Gas Quarantine Theater, of course, and on Twitter, at Gary and Shannon... You can go vote for which movie you think we should watch all together tonight at 8 o'clock. What is leading? Right now, Roadhouse is in third place. Um, can I buy you guys a drink? Uh, John Wick is in second place. Evening, John. Evening, Jimmy. You uh, working again? And no, I'm just sorting some stuff out. Oh, well. I'll leave you be then. Good night, John. Good night, Jimmy. And then, of course, in first place right now, Tombstone. I have two gums. One for each One of you. One for each I of love you. love so much. And That's there's, the best character. Listen, uh, not to make fun of or make light of, but Doc Holliday has got the consumption 
in that movie. Yes, he does have the consumption. It's a respiratory illness. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, my husband will actually watch this movie, too. He will? He doesn't, he's not really big on the sports movies. Really? Yeah. Even though it's, he just thinks they're too formulaic? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say the Tombstone is a smarter movie than some of the ones that we've seen to this point. This is true. But, but it is highly enjoyable. Uh, one of the things that I love both about Roadhouse and Tombstone is the bad 80s sound effects. Yes. There's a, I mean, we've, come a, we've come a long way. We sure have. Every punch in Roadhouse is identical. Every punch sound effect is the same sound effect played over and over again. By a guy on a cart machine. That's fantastic. I love working in radio how we have the sound machines and stuff. Like, There's been sounds that I had 20 years ago that I still hear in movies. Yeah. And I always point them out to my kid and my girlfriend. I go, oh, yeah, I know that sound. Uh, like a woman screaming. How is your is- kid? She's great. She's 19. She's still working. I was going to say, where is she? She's working at 85 Bakery in uh, in uh, Montclair, Claremont. Okay. Yeah, so she's still working. She's Individually back home from Texas. wrapping each of the uh, each That's of it. the goods, though, right? That's it. She had to. Yeah, it, normally it's like you go in there, just grab what you want. Now it's their individual. Having to go in early and individually wrap each pastry or bread. Wow. What's the demand like? I would imagine it's big, uh, despite this, just because people want that comfort pastries. She says they got a pretty good uh, regular clientele, older folks who still are coming in, and uh, they've been getting people in there. I can't believe she's nineteen. P.S. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. She also works at a uh, like a hot pot place called the Boiling Point in Chino Hills. And uh, the, obviously now they're just takeout only. She says, but right before they forced the takeout only, she says they were crowding in yeah. there. Tons of people because they're all huddling together, the Asian community there. That is amazing. Um, one of the things that we've seen, we noticed it. We talked about it Monday. Over the weekend, I heard a lot more birds I saw the first squirrel of the season. Oh, yeah. Just an odd Nature's thing having a moment. Because because we're not driving around, right? I mean, we're seeing cleaner cleaner skies. We saw this uh, when China went on an incredible lockdown. People, you know, from space were measuring the CO2 emissions, and they disappeared from one of the worst polluters in the entire world. Um, so there was a, uh, a look at things that have actually come out of the last few weeks and months that are different and potentially good for everyone. For example, the number of flu, flu, just flu, flu cases, the number of flu cases in Japan down sharply. Japan recorded 7 million cases by early March. That's I'm talking about just the flu, flu, the seasonal flu. That's down um, from about 21 million that they regularly see during the season because everyone's paranoid and washing their hands which is not a bad thing washing your hands is not a bad thing the other thing is china's like i mentioned china's co2 emissions fill 200 million tons about 25 percent compared to the same period last year which was the four weeks uh that led up to march 1st that's an equivalent to china emitting as much co2 as vietnam wow Think about that. that the amazing is... production engine that is China cranking out just as much CO2 as Vietnam. This uh, may this this whole thing may save the planet. I have two pieces of good news. Oh, get it. Okay. Number one, uh, serious. New York State 
hospital admission rates for COVID-19 infections have declined over the last three days. I have Andrew Cuomo saying that exact thing. Okay. He's the governor of New York. They think that his whole density control thing is working. This past Sunday, the projection was that hospitalizations were doubling every two days. Okay. Okay. On Monday, the numbers suggested that the hospitalizations were doubling every 3.4 days. That's longer. That's better. On Tuesday, the projections suggested that the hospitalizations were doubling every 4.7 days. That's even longer. That's even better. Yeah, that's excellent news. Uh, are you ready for the next piece of good news? Sure. Elton John is going to host a living room concert to benefit coronavirus charities. Fox and iHeart have teamed up to provide this. It's going to be Sunday night, hosted by Elton John. Sunday at 6 p.m. our time. It's going to be broadcast on all Fox platforms and iHeart Media radio stations nationwide. It's going to pay tribute to the frontline medical professionals working to treat this monster. Commercial free. It's going to feature performances by Alicia Keys, Backstreet Boys, Billie Eilish, Billy Joe Armstrong, Mariah Carey, Tim McGraw and many other, all playing from their homes on their cell phones, cameras, audio equipment, all of that. Uh, I hope he plays that uh, Lady Antebellum Eric Garcetti duet. I love you for that, and I need you now. Can we talk about our mayor versus the mayors we're hearing Just about any other mayor? Okay, yeah. (laughs) Oh, but you mean the mayors in Italy? Yeah. Yeah, there's a strong desire in me... In a situation like this. It's like Greg Williams versus Joel Osteen. Those are perfect examples. I want to know somebody who's up there fighting on my behalf. Maybe they're a little angry. Maybe they're a little sleep deprived. Coach O. Maybe Coach Ogeron is a perfect, another great example. Yeah. Somebody who's going to get in there and say, damn it, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to fight back. And we're, we're, uh, you know, we're going to take that ball. And what are, we're not playing checkers right. or putt-putt golf. Right. This is health we're talking about. I, I want Eric Garcetti to have a little Chuck Connors in him. Yes, not the... I love you for that, and I need you That now. doesn't do anything for me. If I'm going into war, <laughs> I want my commanding officer not to turn around and right. say, before we do this, I just want to hug you. I love you, and I need you. Now. No. No, no. I want him to look me in the eye... Grab my collar yes. and say, we got this. Right. And then turn around and go, ah, and run headlong yeah. into a cannon fire. Right? right. That's what I want. Right. I don't, I don't need a hug. I want a gunnery not, sergeant. We're done. I'm done with the hugs. I'm done with the I hugs. I don't want a hug. I'll go home and get a hug. I'll look longingly into my wife's eyes. And if she won't look at me, I'll look at my dog's eyes because I'll also get Oxycontin from him. Nope. Wrong word. Oxytocin. I do not you, get Oxycontin from my dog. Are you hitting the drugs? No. I told you off the air, I need you to not be on drugs during this. My dog is my dealer. I just, I didn't mean that my dog gets me Oxycontin. My dog, it's oxytocin. We were talking about people I, getting high, and I was like, I, <laughs> the, the thought of being high kind of terrifies me. Like, what if the paranoia sets in? Oh, you know? Yeah, this if you're is high not, right now and you heard me say a, that, I, I apologize. You don't need more paranoia. Right. You don't need that. Um, before we get to Eric Garcetti versus the Italian Why are you mayors, holding your breast? I'm just closing my sweater. Oh, okay. I wanted to also play said breath this. at first. I wanted to, to, to play this. <laughs> that would have made more sense than breasts. <laughs> yeah. 
We have, for a long time, at least in the last couple of weeks, said thank you to everyone who is still working, right? Whether it's delivery drivers, uh, postal carriers, truck drivers, grocery store workers, obviously first responders, fire, police, any medical, anybody working in the medical field in the last couple of weeks is under fire. And this appears to be nonstop. But we say we consider you heroes, much like Mr. Rogers said that one time, quoting Mr. Rogers. You know, my mother used to say, always look for the helpers, because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Mm. Helpers. Helpers. Gary and Shannon will continue. You can change me. Can you save me? Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Ending on some good news stories. Scientists in Israel have noted the potential to announce the development of a coronavirus vaccine within weeks. They're working on development of the first vaccine to combat the novel coronavirus. The vaccine could be ready within a few weeks and available in 90 days, although not in wide circulation, but still it's good. In South Korea... People are recovering and starting to outnumber new infections. South Korea reported more recoveries from the coronavirus than new infections just a couple of days ago for the first time since the outbreak emerged there in January. Downward trend in daily cases that they say uh, is, along with China, showing that that may be slowing there. Also, China closed its last coronavirus hospital, though. Not enough cases to support those new hospitals that they put up. Uh, So we mentioned this. Eric Garcetti is very touchy-feely when it comes to making us feel comfortable, I suppose. I love you for that, and I need you now. Um, He (laughs) threatened, of course, to shut off power and water to some places that stayed open and ignored the safe-at-home order that he was talking about. But in Italy, um, would I get in trouble for those? They're an Italian. I don't think so. I don't... Let's roll the dice. All right. Well, here's a mix of Italian mayors yelling at their constituents to stay home. He was saying, among other things, go ahead, hold that backyard barbecue. I will send police to your house with flamethrowers. Now that's some Greg <laughs> Williams ass. There's the flamethrower part. Stay home, dumbasses. He's banging the table. He's asking, what is going on? Why do you keep having to go outside? Why do you say that your dog, you, it's your, blame it on your dog, who clearly has a prostate problem, is what he said in the video. Try to shame people into sticking to the orders that they've been given, that they are, in Italy at least, supposed to stay inside their homes. It wasn't a, hey, feel free to walk around and enjoy the fact that no one's in the beautiful parts of Rome that nobody likes, you know, that everybody likes to go through and they're tourists. They were saying it's, you cannot go outside in Italy. Well, we will get our updates now from County Public Health Director, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Doctor, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. 
Oh, thank you for having me. And and again, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to your station for providing accurate information to everyone. It's really greatly appreciated by us. I wanted to uh, follow up on a question that uh, our colleague Steve Gregory had asked you. Um, How does, and not to be specific, I know that you can't say much about the case up in Lancaster, but if I go into a hospital and I get a test for coronavirus and it comes back positive, as opposed to some other respiratory problem, how does my treatment change with a coronavirus positive test? You know, it's a great question because we've been letting everyone know all along there's no specific treatments uh, or medications that are approved yet for novel coronavirus. But what there are now, and it does make a difference, which is why it's so important that people who are sick in the hospital get tested, is it does allow a physician to say, I want to enroll you in a clinical trial. Um, because, you know, we've heard a lot about hydrochloroquine and, and, you know, when coupled with an antibiotic, a specific antibiotic, it's offered some release. But you really, uh, you, you, there's, you're not really allowed to prescribe that medication uh, for a patient that you didn't enroll in the clinical trial because they're still trying to figure out exactly what the efficacy is of that medication. Um, so, so it's very important that people who have symptoms of COVID-19 and are hospitalized you know, are prioritized for testing because it does make a difference between what a physician uh, in the hospital may be able to offer you and what they may not be able to offer you. Um, So we do want those diagnoses uh, to happen for people who are hospitalized. And then also the confusion about ibuprofen and Tylenol and and what's bad or isn't bad. You know, uh, I I heard first about that today. (laughs) We we obviously, uh, you know, we're not on social media the same way others are. Um, I think um, a, a couple of things to note. One is if you're ever in doubt about what medication you should be taking for anything, you should always talk to your primary care physician. Uh, we don't know any specific histories about individual people. And, you know, some people can take some medication, some people can't. You know, if you're on a blood thinner, you can't take aspirin and aspirin products, including ibuprofen. So, so I never want to give like this general advice to folks. Um, What I do want to say is if you need to use fever-reducing medication and it's important to keeping you comfortable and you're not sure about what you should be taking, you should really talk to your primary care provider. Many of us know, and because we've had fevers before, what we can tolerate and what we can't tolerate. And for those people, you know, be my guest, go ahead. There's no evidence that suggests that one is better than the other right now. I have seen no significant research publications on you know, is is Tylenol better than ibuprofen? I just know for individual people, depending on other things around your medical history, one drug might be preferable over another drug. And that's something that obviously you should touch base with your provider about. Uh, And then finally, I've been receiving a lot of emails and even text messages from friends who say they feel like, based on the uh, symptoms that have been published for the last several weeks and months, they feel like they probably already had this a couple of months ago. Would that show up in a test? I mean, it, we're not to the point well, where we're testing anybody, yeah. but I mean, would that no, show no. up in a test? You know, it's a great question because um, we we pro- we agree. We think that there definitely was probably COVID nineteen circulating before that. People just like people now have mild illness. People had mild illness before. You did what you always do for mild illness. You stayed home. You took care of yourself, and then when you felt better, you went back out. Um, there is a, a different kind of a test uh, that we're actually uh, working through an approval process 
that's called sort of a seroprevalence test. And what that allows us to do is we take a, a tiny, you know, it's like a prick of blood. It's a, it's a very easy blood test. And we actually look at someone's blood to see if they've developed antibodies to COVID-19. And that would tell us whether or not they might have already had the infection. Now that, again, we're not going to do it for everybody. But we're as curious as, as everyone else is, is like, was there a lot here? And so we'll do a small sample. And from that sample, we'll probably be able to say, oh, yes, you know, uh, we have a fair amount of people who are positive, uh, you know, have, have signs that they were infected with COVID-19 or may even now be infected with COVID-19. Uh, but, you know, they never they never were symptomatic enough to seek treatment. And this will give us some sense about how prevalent this might be in our communities. Well, doctor, thank you. Appreciate your time once again today. No, thank you for having me. You bet. Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Again, you can get the L.A. County Public Health updates on Twitter as well at L.A. Public Health. All right. Tonight, eight o'clock tombstone. tombstone. Be there. Hashtag two guns. One for each of one you. for each of you. Hashtag gas QT. Eric Garcetti came up with that. John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, our prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available.